When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 195. Uh, this week I am here with a returning guest, but a guest who hasn't been on in quite a while. So welcome back to the show, Mr. Joey Bay. Thanks for having me on, John. It's been a while, but I'm, I'm excited to be back. Uh, what have you been up to? We already talked for a while before the we started recording, so <laughs> I always feel weird when I ask somebody who I, I just uh, heard all about what you've been up to, like what you've been up to. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like <laughs> Like most of uh, us good citizens, we've just been doing a whole lot of nothing, and uh, luckily there's still wrestling going on, so we have some entertainment to keep us occupied at least. So <laughs> just just sticking to that pretty much, and going outside and getting some fresh air every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you so you guys do you guys both have like I mean you and your uh, is it girlfriend or wife? I can't remember. She is my wife now. Oh, your wife now. There you go. She <laughs> is your that is a that's a really famous Sound Voltex song. She is my wife. So there you go. Oh. <laughs> but yes uh so you you and your wife you both have work from home jobs or like do you have to like go into work or anything or no uh i primarily uh, i'm working from home i have to go into the office one day a week but it's like nobody else is in there so the risk levels are are pretty low um and then my wife is uh, exclusively working from home at this point and um yeah i think she's ready to get back and i'm kind of ready to just continue working from home I, I, I get i get to hang out in my basement with all my my uh weekly pro magazines and all my autographed merchandise and all my stupid wrestling trinkets and you know it's it's a it's a great great environment for uh, me personally so yeah i love working from home too i can't even like the, i sometimes i feel guilty about it where it's like oh well you know <laughs> this thing has killed four hundred thousand people really uh made my day-to-day life a little better and i feel like, <laughs> yeah. feels really guilty it is a weird thing to say but yeah because i used to have a i mean i've talked about this on the show before i had a brutal commute because we don't you know nicole and i don't drive but we live in the uh 
uh, I guess, I don't know if you call it the North Bronx or what, like it's right on the edge of uh, the Bronx and Throgs Neck. But, you know, it's a very nice neighborhood and it feels like not having to do this commute every day, I can finally enjoy it. But sure. uh, the commute, like, was brutal because we, we don't have, like I said, we don't have a car. We don't even have subways over here. So it was like what they call an express bus, which is like, you know, I don't know, calling prison like a vacation because it was <laughs> like an hour and a half, you know, at least in the morning. And then if you're lucky, an hour back, uh, you know, sometimes longer. So it was just brutal. So, yeah, I don't miss that. I don't have to. I mean, I, I've gone in, I think, three times total since last March. So, like, you know. I really don't have to. It really is great not having to do that anymore. Uh, and Nicole works in the same office as me, so she also just like, you know, she and I both work at home now. But yeah, it's uh, that part of it's nice. Uh, I definitely would like to like leave the house for other reasons, which you <laughs> yeah. know I don't get to do anymore. I mean, I, I've I think I've gone out twice since the end of october like anywhere so you know oh wow i mean like you know outside on the balcony and like walk around but i mean like actually go go somewhere because we get all of our like groceries delivered and stuff so we don't even really need to go food shopping or anything but yeah yeah that's that's about all we venture out for at this point like i mean missouri uh I mean, we used to be a purple state, but we're we're pretty darn red at this point. It's uh, if you go outside of the city limits and even some areas within the city, it's uh, it's still Trump land over here. And whatever side you fall on, I, I know we we probably <laughs> agree on this, but it's it's pretty terrible. And there's a uh, it's just exacerbating and extending this uh, this no mask stuff and establishments staying open and whatnot. It's uh, it's pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, we don't really we don't really have that problem at least here. I mean. When I, you know, you occasionally do do you see people without masks, but it's pretty rare. So, I mean, I guess that's nice. But yeah, it, yeah. it is. It is, of course, very stupid. People outside of America probably listen to that and are like, "What does politics have to do with uh, face masking?" Well, <laughs> in this country, was... this country has a lot to do with face masking, unfortunately. Yes. So... Yeah, it was, it's very much politicized, unfortunately, and that's why we're in the situation we're in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it is really sad, uh, but. You know, but, we were talking about off the air. There is a new administration, so maybe they'll, uh, you know, maybe get these vaccines moving a little faster. I hope so. It's like, you know, I don't not that not that I'm like, uh, you know, I don't expect them to do a miracle or anything, but they they can't really do much worse than the last guys. So definitely. Uh, yeah. But yes, yeah, some Japanese wrestling to talk about here. Uh, <laughs> All Japan and New Japan is what we're here to talk about this week. Um, of course, Joey, as we talked about the last time, you've also been to Japan uh, several times. We were just talking off the air that um, we were both supposed to be going to the G1 uh, this past October, which I totally forgot you were also going to go to that before the world ended. So that, was, <laughs> that would have been cool. That would have been my first time seeing you since we were both on the first Allen trip in 2016. That's, so, that's right. Yeah, I think we were in the same town for all in. I think we were both at all in. Oh, yeah, just... that's true logistically i don't think it it worked out like i drove up and drove home the same day and so like it was just i had no time to actually like go and hang out with everybody i think Krach had a rich Krach had a, a labor day barbecue or something that yeah i was invited to and i just couldn't i couldn't make it unfortunately but yeah i went to that. darn the luck but <laughs> yeah i went to that and the other big gathering i went to there was like a everybody went to this GameWorks arcade like and after all in and gathered there for some reason which was a, oh, cool. an odd, a little bit of an odd choice for a gathering, but it worked, I guess. Um, 
but yeah, then uh, I, I yeah I flew in for that. So because you know obviously I'm very uh, you know Chicago is pretty far to drive for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know we stayed. I think I think we only stayed one. Oh, maybe we stayed two nights. No, no, no. We definitely stayed two nights because we went to that uh, AAW show. Uh, oh right, yeah. Because there were two of them. I think we went to the second one. We must have gone to the second. So you, yeah. So you went to the uh, Logan Square. They were running that weekend. Yeah. I think. That's that's such a cool wrestling venue. I love that place. Yeah, it is really cool. It reminded me a lot of like these old Ring of Honor venues I used to go to all the time. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I kind of reminds me. I, I've never been to the New Yorker, but it's pretty tight, like New Yorker, yeah. in, in that sense. And I kind of, I. I envision it kind of being a similar atmosphere but that would be a good idea for an overcast say someday is like my favorite wrestling venues and like get people out of been to a bunch of them because i've been to i've been to so many not to brag but between between yeah. uh all these american shows i used to go to and now all these japanese shows be quite the Dude, it, yeah new york if you ever new yorker would be high oh, on my list because that was an amazing venue i bet man i if uh if you ever do a show with that topic i'd love to be on yeah <laughs> not to not to uh shoehorn my way in yeah that, that'd be a cool idea maybe i'll think about that for a week coming up where i don't have uh anything planned so far um but yeah so like that we, we were in the same town for all that i didn't even realize that <laughs> but yeah the last time when i seen you was during that alan trip when uh you and I seem like the only two people that were interested in going to see a lot of stuff so yeah man yeah we, we went to we went to fuji q we went me you and uh, Matt, Matt McEwen yeah. and I think uh, Jonas uh, went out to to Fuji. Took a bus out there. That was a ton of fun. You separated from the group one day, and I remember went down to Kyoto for a, a quick bop and and saw a, a, a band that you wanted to see. Right? No, the, well, so two separate things. I did go to Kyoto by myself, and then gotcha. I also went to uh, I saw Sakana Action, who does the opening to this show. Actually, yes. uh, I saw them in that was in Makahari Messe. So that's basically like right when you cross over from Tokyo into Chiba, like on like you're going towards uh, Narita Airport. It's like sure. right on the edge of Tokyo and Chiba. It's like this big uh, convention center complex. Like New Japan and other wrestling promotions, they run there pretty regularly. So, but gotcha. yeah, it's uh, not that far from Tokyo. But yeah, Kyoto, yeah, I just it, went to because I was like, I, who knows if I'll ever come back to Japan at the time, and I really want to see yep. Kyoto. So I went and like saw a whole bunch of stuff by myself that day. Even that's that, so cool that shinkansen ticket was very expensive but it was worth like people thought i was nuts for doing that all in one day because i guess most people don't look as to, don't look at tokyo to kyoto as a day trip but sure we i, yeah. I did well having having done it now having done the shinkansen trip to kyoto myself now it really isn't that bad it's like even even if you do the uh, jr pass version which isn't the i, I think that gets you the second fastest the, exactly yeah. yeah so we did that and it it still only took us like an hour and a half so if you go early enough you could still have a pretty pretty packed day if you catch the last shinkansen back yeah up to tokyo if you're doing a day trip but that yeah that's that's really cool yeah that's what i did most people i think stay over but i mean you know there's so much to see in kyoto that like one day is gonna yeah. like be you know nothing basically because like For sure. you know just all this historical stuff but i really wanted to see the uh the the really famous palace that's like one of the few um i got I'm, I'm blanking on the name but it's like one of the few palaces or castles in japan i think it's nico castle that like actually survived completely and like didn't have to rebuild it so like the interior is like exactly the same even as it was you know oh, wow. hundreds and hundreds of years ago it's one of the few castles you can actually walk through and like you know see how it looked basically 
but yeah, it was like the it was the emperor's or not the emperor's. It was the shogun's uh, castle in Kyoto when he would come to speak to the emperor. So during the the shogun era, I think the like the Edo period, he would come from Tokyo to Kyoto to you know speak to the royal court, which was still based in Kyoto, and that was basically the castle he would stay in. So I see that's very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for the history lesson. <laughs> yeah, we we did we did the. Uh... Fushimi Inari, and we actually stayed at that point. Uh, um, Airbnbs were um, still a thing, uh, very prominent in 2017. So we stayed like in Gion with like we saw like geishas walking through the streets and stuff. And I mean, there, there weren't too many, but um, it, it was it was pretty cool to actually witness, you know, yeah. <laughs> that type of stuff instead of just futuristic Tokyo. And I, not to say all of Tokyo is futuristic because you can go down some some streets and feel like you're in the countryside even yeah. even in that densely populated city yeah there's some pretty like, there's some really cool like like that was the thing nicole couldn't believe when i took her there because she's she grew up in new york so she's used to like the city stuff but she's like their green spaces are like really green <laughs> like really yeah. like they do a really good job with that um but yeah I, I actually did thinking about it i did a kyoto day trip again on my last trip uh this time for a wrestling show which um like right it was like the second to last day in Japan, even after we, we had gone to Osaka and Kyoto, and we went back to Tokyo, but DDT added a, a show at Kyoto KBS Hall, like on. Oh, like, so you got to see KBS. Yeah, so I was like, I was like, I'm doing this. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna go take the hour and a half train, or I think two hours. I think because I think I had the 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 JR pass this time. So yeah, whatever, sure. whatever it is, I took the train all the way out there, went to this one show, and then took the train back to Tokyo. Even though I had been in, I had been in Kyoto already on this trip, but I was like, I don't care. And like I've, I've oh, like KBS Hall was a uh, like a bucket list item for me because that's for, for, sure. for people listening. I don't know. That's the one with like the uh, the stained the stained glass, glass window. windows. Yeah, it looks yeah. it looks so cool on TV, and even in person it looks cool too. It's a little jarring to see them like because it's. Um, and like the way they're set up with the rest of the building, it the, the part of the buildings you can't see on TV, it doesn't match as well as you would imagine. Like it looks a little uh, like plastered on or something, I will say. So that was a little surprising, but still really cool just to be there and see it after sure. seeing it on tape for so long. Because like, you know, the first time I saw that on tape was probably like 2002 or something because Toriumon used to run it all the time. So yeah, yeah it's a... Uh, it's a pretty crazy build. It's a pretty like historic building for me, so I definitely wanted to see that one. So like the only, yeah, I'm, je- the, the, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. I mean, the only like building left on my bucket list that I really haven't been to is the Nippon Budokan. So ooh, I I got you there. Yeah. I, I I still need to. A bucket list for me is uh, Kobe Sambo Hall. Mm. Uh, I know it's 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 just a big room. It's nothing special, but I just want to go see a dragon. I kind of want to see one too there too. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I haven't been to either Edeon Arena, and I really want to see shows in Osaka. Yeah, you're right. I haven't I, been there either. I went to Osaka Joe Hall, which was yeah, me too, awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't seen the Edeon Arena either. So I guess there are some other ones, but yeah, but yeah. Nippon Budokan is a big one for me, though. So, so I, I was actually not to keep harping on uh, on this subject before we get into you know what we're here to talk about, <laughs> but uh, like if uh, if there's a direct comparison to osaka joe hall i for me personally i i've only been to msp once and it was before they renovated it and just the the bowl style of osaka joe hall reminded me a lot of of msg but it, it was 
is a much nicer venue overall. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I've been and I've been to old MSG a million times too, so yeah. I definitely see the resemblance. Yeah, like Osaka Joe Hall was like one of these buildings I wasn't expecting. Like I didn't have it on a, like as a bucket list item or anything, but it looked so cool once I was in there. I mean, it is yeah. a really cool looking venue. So yeah, it was. It's awesome. When did when did you go to Osaka Joe Hall for Dominion twenty eighteen? Uh, 17. 17. So I was there for the hour long draw, and I think uh, I, I went. I was I went and did uh, best of the Super Juniors twenty seventeen. So Osprey and Kushida, and then we went to Osaka and Kyoto Kobe for the following week. Yeah, you did the same exact thing I did in twenty nineteen when I saw ah, yeah, I saw cool. Osprey Shingo, and then uh, Okada Jericho, which was not that good, but but Naito Ibushi was really good. So that was that was cool. But yeah, that's that's like a, a great time to go. Yeah. Like if uh, if you're a wrestling fan and want to not go in the winter for the dome and still want to see a bunch of like big New Japan shows like that's that's clutch right there. And then there's always something going on with with Ekork and so yeah. you can fill the, the rest of the week up. Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to know what else. We saw. I, I will say it, 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 it felt like there was less other stuff to go to than in April or in uh, like G1 time. Like as far yeah. as like other random promotions running, I mean there was still stuff, but like it just did it didn't feel like other promotions were running a lot. But because I remember that that, fir- that first we went to when there was a million things going on, and yeah. then when I went during the G one time, uh, that that was right when you know we got to go to DT Peter Pan too, and then yeah. there was also I think there was like a couple of Noah shows, like there was a whole bunch of stuff. So. Yeah, I just feel like of the three times, there probably was the least other non-New Japan stuff to do. Obviously, the most, which I, you know, I'm going to do at some point, hopefully this year, if you know we ever get back to normal by then. Uh, the most, the best time to go for random other stuff and a big New Japan show is obviously Wrestle Kingdom, because yeah. you know everything is running at the same time. So that'll be really fun if I actually get to go. But uh, let's just say I'm not uh, counting those chickens yet. I mean, yeah, you know. If I don't mark in the calendar, just not getting your hopes. Yeah, up. <laughs> I mean, if I don't go this year, then I'll probably go the following year. But you know, I guess we'll we'll yeah. see. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so All Japan's Korokin, which is the first show we're here to talk about, uh, it was January twenty fourth on Sunday. Uh, so I should say we're going to talk New Japan as well, but I figured we could start with All Japan uh, since their show here was much bigger. The other show we're going to talk about is the New Japan uh, January twenty third Old Award Gym Show. And we'll touch on the road, the road to new beginning stuff in general, because I have a few, I have a few thoughts on it. So, teaser for later. Uh, but yes, this Corican, you know, it seemed like it was a sellout for the, uh, for the current amount of uh, fans allowed at COVID. Six hundred sixty-seven uh, people attended, so that's probably about capacity right now. Um, you know, obviously some of these New Japan Corikans from earlier in the week uh, were doing, you know, hundreds less than that. So, you know. Uh, people did show up for this one at least with the big match. It was at night. Was it the second night of the New Japan uh, Corkin run last week that only had like three hundred people? Yeah, I think so. And these like weekday that. Yeah, that these rough. weekday shows are becoming a real tough sell now because you know so the early starts. Yeah, so six yeah. p. So they they were starting at six thirty. That was the normal start time. Um, they're tr- even though it's not like a. I don't think it's legal that they have to end by 8 o'clock, but they're trying to abide by the Tokyo curfew where they want people home by 8 o'clock. Uh, you know, of course, you could talk about the effectiveness of uh, whether a curfew helps for COVID. It's not it's not vampire attacks they're trying to, to fight. <laughs> but yes, uh, that's right now what they're doing. They have the 8 p.m. Uh, curfew. 
So they're starting the show at 6, and they're trying to have them over by 8, and that's been fine. They've been getting them over by 8. The problem is, like, people don't have... People have work still, and, you know, a lot of people get off of work at 6. So if you rush... Or later, in some cases. So, I mean, I've heard people say that, like, um, you know, when the show's at 6.30, people sometimes don't arrive till 7. So now, if you arrive at 7 for a 6.30 cork in the last two and a half hours, I mean, you still got plenty of show. If you arrive at seven yeah. for a two-hour cork and it started at six, you have an hour left, basically. So yeah, you, you, you get the semi-main and the main event yeah. probably. So it's it. a really yeah. tough sell for people right now. Um, you know, the weekend shows are doing better. I mean, today's show, uh, I don't know if they have a number yet, but it looked pretty full today's cork. And let me see if they have a number on the site yet. Um, and obviously, this show was at eleven uh, thirty a.m. on a Sunday, so really no problem there as far as in attendance. Um, in the and it's especially nice for us in, in, on the over in America. Yes, on the other side of the Pacific. I love <laughs> I, I love the eleven thirty. Uh, it's so nice. I love the eleven thirty shows. They're so great. Well, we're they've they've done three in a row now too. All yeah. Japan, and it's uh, I'm getting used to it, and I'm uh, I don't know. I, I didn't get to watch this one live, unfortunately, because I was stuck watching the uh, the UFC last night. But uh, um, my heart was there. Uh, so today's park <laughs> so. actually only did four seventy one. Okay. So that's actually oh, yeah. Wow. That's about what the that's the same thing. the The Tuesday one did four seventy, the Monday one I think was the big yeah. The Monday one did three ninety six, and then last Sunday, uh, let's see if it ever loads. Last Sunday did six ninety four. So okay, so like so basically, I I think people blew off these corkins because the Oda War Gym yeah. show that we're gonna talk about. That did uh, 1,325, which was a sellout. So that was like the, the capacity of the Oda Ward gym right now, apparently. So it feels like people just decided to go. I mean, Oda Ward is not, you know, it's far enough to the west that like you're probably drawing some fans like locally that don't want to go all the way to Corican too. But like, yeah. you know, there's probably some fans in the Tokyo area that were like, well, I'll go to the first Corican and then I'll go to the big Oda Ward gym show, but then I can blow off the rest of these Corkins with identical cards. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, today's show was actually, I, I think, the best of the tour so far. So, uh, you know, that is, uh, I guess it's unfortunate that not, not a ton of people showed up for that. But yeah, the All Japan Corkin uh, today on the 24th, that did, you know, strong number here, 667. Uh, so people did show up here for the Triple Crown title match and the other big matches. Uh, so we'll start the main event and work our way down since, uh, you know, the most interesting stuff here was definitely at the top of the card. Uh, the main event, of course, was Suwama with his fifth successful defense of the Triple Crown title, defeating Shotaro Ashido in 26-41 with a backdrop hold. I guess before we get into the match, Joey, I guess going in here, did you think Ashido had a chance, or did you think Suwama was going to be here? Um, I, to be honest, I, I, I thought Ashino was taking the belt. You know, he's coming back for his, his second uh, challenge against Suwama. And I, you know, I just had it in my brain. It's like, what else? Like, I'm, I, like, all gripes aside in terms of all Japan booking, it's not like Suwama's, like, like, these are all just stinkers that he's having in these defenses. Like, they're actually good to great matches. Um, but it just feels like it's somebody else's time now. And I, I don't, would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah. <laughs> so going yeah. into the match, I so I was really 50-50 on who was going to win. I, I kind of thought probably Suwama was going to retain because, um, for, I don't know, the, the, like Ashino, like the Voice of Wrestling Twitter account made this 
point. Like, Ashino did not feel like a hot challenger here. Like, he did not feel like he had been built up to take the belt from Suwama. Um, you know, that could have made, could have been like, oh, it's going to be an out-of-nowhere title change. That would have been possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just didn't feel like he was built up here to, to win the title. And it felt like more like they were running back a match that, you know, they last ran in front of no fans and, you know, letting letting it happen in front of fans and see if they could draw a decent number, which they did. So, I mean, good good on them for that. Um, but, yeah, I would agree that Suwama, I mean, I he had a, you know, a, a, a kind of poor champion carnival and so did everybody else. Um, you know, and that was a big problem with All Japan's, you know, 2020. And I think, you know, the promotion got a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of derision during the second half of the year, especially like people really kind of seemed, you know, pretty fed up with them. Uh, and I think yeah. they're off to a, a better start in 2021. I mean, this is, you know, like you said, Suwama has been having good to great title defenses. I think especially this month, uh, like I yes. really love both his defenses here against, uh, Aoyagi and now against Ashido. Um, so yeah, I think he's, you know, he's off to a good start, but it definitely does feel like, this reign is a little, it's more than a little long in the tooth. Like, I think most people expected it to be a kind of a shorter transition reign. And instead, you know, we're going up on a year now. <laughs> With, it was, right. Like, when did he win the title again? It was like March, right? March of... March. Yeah, so we're yeah. coming... He, he beat Miyahara, yeah. yeah, March 24th. So we're coming up on... We're two months away, exactly. Full, yeah. A full year, yeah. So that is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Like, do you think there, he's just a placeholder until, you know... Like Nomura, like until they know if Naoya can come back, or do you think they're just cooling down Jake Lee again until you know the spring, and then he can? Yeah, it's I, a really... I have no idea. I'm, I'm not good with this type of stuff with the, the booking predictions, but I just I don't know who else they could really throw at yeah. him realistically. At like, I really have no idea where they're going, and you know it makes me wonder. Like the the Zeus Champion Carnival win felt like nothing, especially when he went on to lose his shadow challenge so it, may, it really makes yeah. me wonder if maybe jake lee wasn't supposed to win the champion carnival last year and then go on to beat suwama pretty quickly but maybe they decided you know let's wait a little while longer and see or no more or uh you know he brought no more because you know they didn't know he's gonna get hurt obviously um yeah you know maybe they just decided well let's wait and you know see if more fans can come back uh before we uh you know do like like suwama easily could have been a like you know people People thought the evil thing was like a COVID, uh, you know, related thing, which I don't think it was at all. Um, whereas this, I do kind of buy the idea that like Suwama was not supposed to be champion for a fucking year or whatever it's going to end up being. <laughs> and it just ended up being kind of a thing where it's like, well, he's perfectly fine as champion. Let's just let him keep the belt during this really uh, uncertain time where we can't run, uh, you know, anything close to full buildings anyway. Because, I mean, Champion Carnival especially felt like a test pattern. Like, that felt like them saying, you know, this is all we're willing to do as a champion carnival during this pandemic. So, like, right. there's no way the original champion carnival idea for 2020 was, you know, Zeus squeezing people's heads with his rest hold. And, like, <laughs> just, there's no way that was the idea. So, um, the match itself, though, here I thought was awesome. I mean, I'm I'm pretty high on this match. I thought this was quite a, a really great match. I don't know if you agree or not, but... uh I really, I really. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I. Yes, I, I agree. I, I thought this match was fantastic, and in terms of limb work and just selling, uh, there was consistency throughout the entire match from both guys in terms of selling, uh, the targeted body parts, and I just, whenever there's something like that that you can sink your teeth in, into, um, 
aside from it just being a title match. Um, I don't know. I love that stuff. It it's kind of I, I I feel like I, I listened to you talk about the uh, 2012 uh, Naito Okada uh, IWGP match from Corican um, on a recent episode, and it, this match kind of reminded me of that because it, it's just literally they're just targeting the back and the knee and the ankle and that's they they stuck to that pretty much the entire match and it was uh i i just love matches yeah like that. it's really strong psychology and you know yeah. like I, the, you know the, there was like some nice grappling to start early on like where they were you know doing all the uh you know like the the takedowns and the blocks and stuff that i liked and then yeah. uh you know the if if there was a flaw i would say you know maybe ashino's work on shawama's leg you know, which made sense was maybe not the most interesting light work I've ever seen. Um, you know, sure. dec- yeah, he just kind of laid yeah. on him. <laughs> I mean, decent selling, <laughs> a couple times, decent selling from Suwama, but a little slow. So I would say that that was probably, um, a, you know, a, a thing there. But it, it, it when it builds to a spot that's as good as the ankle lock tease was, I can overlook that yeah. kind of thing because you know it builds. It, they build it for a while. Um, you know, Ashino and Suwama go back and forth. Uh, and they, you know, Suwama goes gets, gets his own ankle lock, which was pretty surprising. That was an interesting little uh, wrinkle to it too. Um, but then, you know, when Ashino gets out and like, you know, reapplies his ankle lock, that's where like there's a lot of drama uh, that Suwama might actually tap. And they really did a great job at that with like Suwama, you know, reaching at the raft and like, you know, just acting like he's going to tap any second. And they like, I don't know if you watched this unspoiled. I definitely did. Obviously, I was watching it live. Um, did you see? Were you swirled already when you were watching it or no? Um, I I tried to scroll through uh, Twitter spoils uh, or spoilers, but I I, I wasn't successful. <laughs> so I, I was I was like half spoiled. Like I, I kind of got the impression that Swan right. retained, but uh, I didn't know for sure until I I saw. Yeah, I've, I've had a million <laughs> million matches like that over the years. Yeah, it's true. Like we we think you probably saw something, but you're not. You didn't double check to make sure. So. Yeah, you, you try to scroll fast or pass it as fast yeah. as possible to but, you know, erase it from your But brain. yeah, like the the actual like the, this tease really got me watching it live. Where I'm like, oh my god, he's actually going to tap out here. But uh, but Suwama did make the rope, so that was that was great. Uh, so it built to a really great spot. And then Ashino, you know, he was really pissed and you know pounded the map, and then he quickly goes back to uh, his German suplex, which he could he tried repeatedly to get that on Suwama earlier too. And then when he finally got that. You know, that felt like a big deal in the match, and that got a two count. Uh, and then he goes to this moonsault at the top, which looked great, but Suwama rolled out of the way. Beautiful moonsault, yeah. And yeah. Ashino, like, ate shit on it, too. <laughs> like, just really yeah. ate shit on it. Uh, and that, you know, that, like, you know, that this is where I, my notes just say, you know, it took a little bit to get going, but at this point, this is an awesome match. And, you know, Suwama, you know, blocks Ashino running in on him, like, captures both arms for a really nice capture belly to belly. And then he hits two straight backdrop suplexes uh, and ends a Giri and then a third backdrop. But Ashino still kicks out of two. And then Suwama just kind of says, you know, I, the, the finish was very decisive here. Where like, you know, they, there was no back and forth at this point. Like Suwama just hits a huge axe bomber, another backdrop with the bridge, and that gets the pin. Um, so, yeah, I went I went four and a quarter on this. So I didn't like it quite as much as the Aoyagi match, which I went four and a half on. Um because you know again this took a little bit to get going but man did it roll once it got there so you know definitely a, an awesome main event here very very highly recommended uh super hot closing stretch and you know without like going to the kind of cliche like you know back and forth stuff it just was much more like you know 
and if you want to point to another floor, flaw in the match, maybe, other than that ankle lock spot, like once Suwama made the ropes on the ankle lock, I was like, okay, well, Suwama's winning this now. Because <laughs> yeah. it definitely felt like, watching it live, like Ashino had taken so much of the match that by the time Suwama made the ropes, it was like, well, if Suwama doesn't get a big comeback and win here, it's almost like he got squashed by Ashino. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. He got all of his offense in right at the end. But I don't mind them. I mean, so many wrestling matches nowadays are like, you know, just trading moves for the last 10 minutes that like, you know, I really don't mind when they do a different, uh, you know, a different layout like they did here. So a more old school layout, if anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It harkens back to like the older finishes from, and it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is a breath of fresh air instead of just your standard, you know, yeah, like you said, trading back and forth move, big move, big move, and then whoever comes out on top comes out on top at the end. This is as a very decisive finish um that you know <laughs> suwama got his ass kicked and then he he uh not so much just like said you know what this is it i'm, I'm done with this bullshit like I'm, I'm ready to finish this but like he he found his opening and and uh and capitalized and it, it was it was a really really great match i really enjoyed uh it. now as far as what it means for ashino and enfon so i Ooh, yeah. i totally yeah. get if those people are like if you're like an en- enfon super fan like uh you know, friend of the show, TJ is, who's been on the show a million times. Uh, I totally get it. Like, you must be really pissed right now. And, it, you know, just to see your guy job again here to Suwama, you know, clean as a sheet. And, you know, I I mean, their booking of the Enfonce guys have been, has been pretty terrible. I mean, there's really no, there's no positive way to spin it. I mean, you know, just the fact that yeah. Ashino, it, the fact that Ashino would have felt like, uh, you know, that it was out of nowhere if he had won this match, you know, says it all, basically. So at, at the end of this match, when uh, after they pay their respects to each other, and Ashino walks to the back, and the the crowd gives him a, a clapping ovation, I guess I don't know. Enfonce um, uh, is all lined up by the curtain, and they they just watch him go to the back, and they're just it. In from, I kind of interpreted that as there's possible dissension as him being mm. the leader of Enfonce and being a, like a, a weak link almost, and. I'm, I'm very interested to see where they go with that. And all they did for that, I don't, they, they may have done other things throughout the tour, but this is all yeah. I've seen. Um, them, them just, just silently watching him walk past them. And you could just tell they all had this like judgmental just kind of look on their face. It, it plants some seeds there. It's, it's very interesting. I mean, that me. would be about <laughs> the best. I mean, that would really be what you have to do if you want to rebuild Ashido as a main eventer. Now, I mean, you would need to turn him, break him off, to turn yeah. him face and break him off. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Koji Doi, I think, is more than capable of serving as a, a heel leader, especially for if they're really just going to be a big card heel unit. I mean, you know, I think he's perfectly capable to do to serve as a leader. Um, yeah, and Kumarashi's great, too, in yeah. that role. I mean, I, he's more of... I, I I would also agree that, that Koji Doi would be a better leader, but, I mean, as the heavy, like, Kuma's freaking yeah. awesome so. <laughs> I mean I like I love all those guys so you know like Kodama yeah. they could be doing way more with but yeah it is you know it, 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 this is why like when people said you know they want to wrestle one to die to see these guys go other places it's like well they will go other places but the the, the other side of that is they're never going to get pushed as hard as they would have in a wrestle one continuing I mean you know other promotions want to push their own guys I mean they don't want to push these guys yeah. you know who came from the outside I mean it's just how it is when, when people wish death on these Japanese promotions. I mean, like, you know, that consolidation can be good, I guess, but like, 
you know, what what the fuck is uh Daiki and Naba doing lately? You know, like all these guys, like all these guys, <laughs> it's like you you see them in other promotions, but like other promotions only have so much room at the top of their own cards. I mean, and they're going right. to prioritize their own guys. So, you know, that's a well, I'm, that's the other side of that. I'm a huge defender of Big Japan and I, I do not want them to die. Yeah, I don't. When people <laughs> I, say they want Big Japan. WH Park always gives me. I don't, I don't really get it. Cause it's like if Big Japan dies, it's like what other promotion on earth is going to give you that mix of like strong and death match. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, it's just not going to exist anymore. I mean, you know, Big Japan is not always the most interesting or fun promotion out there. But, you know, it definitely goes in waves. But I don't get one of them to die. I mean, that is, it's really weird. No. It's, it's a, the unique blend of, of what they yeah. present is, is what's, what's so great about them. And, you know, it's, it's an acquired taste. Or, you know, it's not for everybody either. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I, I, I can't wish death upon any promotions, really, unless it's there's some like really scummy <laughs> bullshit going on back backstage. Yeah, I can wish death know? on WWE. <laughs> that's, that's condemnable. Fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> WWE could go die. <laughs> uh, match number six, the semi-main event was Koji Iwamoto uh, defending the All Japan World Junior Title against Fuminori Abe in thirteen thirty-seven. Uh, he makes his fourth successful defense. Um, so this was the, the the kind of match that's really good that I was also disappointed by. Because, I, I don't know, like, when I saw these two names on paper, I would have thought it would go a little higher on the rating. Um, but when I think about it, like, Iwamoto in singles matches for me always kind of has a ceiling. And he it's kind of three and three quarters for me. That seems to be what I always give his big matches. And that's exactly where I landed here. Um, and it's just very, like, I don't know, there's something about him. Where, like, he's a technically good wrestler. Like, he does all, his, he executes his moves really well. Um, sure. but like he leaves me a little cold with both his selling and his in-ring charisma and like he just there's something about him that always struggles to connect with me at a certain level so I mean yeah. I love Abe though so I guess that's probably why I thought was even more excited for this one uh, I mean it still ended up being really good I mean you know they, they did a lot of good mat work uh, Abe you know nearly got a tap out you know five minutes into the match before Iremoto made the ropes which was a uh, a cool little spot and you know, he was, like, unloading on Iwamoto with these really hard slaps and uh, punches and, you know, w- like, caught his leg uh, when Iwamoto tried to counter with his delayed knee that he does and, like, delivered this really nice dragon screw. Um, yeah. And they both went back and forth, like, a lot of strikes uh, and throws down the stretch until Iwamoto uh, finally got the pin with whatever that judo throw of his is called. I, people made fun of me for this before that, for not knowing the name of this judo throw, but I'm not a not a judo person. What do you want me to tell you? Uh, but whatever it's called, he, we all know yeah, what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. You <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so three and three quarters. I mean, I would have liked to see it maybe go a little longer. Uh, you know, especially on a, on a show that's like as shallow as this one with so few other big matches. Uh, you know, thirteen and a half minutes isn't like I guess super super short, but you know they could have gotten like you know between fifteen and twenty for sure. Um, yeah, I would have. I would have not been upset with another five minutes and let them like let things sink in because they were just there's if there's anything i could say about this match it was just that there were there was no it was completely back and forth the entire match and they didn't really stop to like let anything sink in or, or breathe it was just like boom boom boom, yeah. boom 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 for the entire match but uh you know it was good i mean you know three like three and three yeah. quarters is still really good but uh you know a little disappointing compared to what i was expecting yeah i i was hoping for more out of these guys as well um that that real world tag league final uh 
I've been a fan of Iwamoto for uh, since he started really showing out in all Japan. But uh, that that real world tag league final last year was. He, I just thought he was. He came off like a killer in that yeah, one. Yeah, that was him and, him and Jake Lee. Against him Dave. and Jake Lee against Kento and Aoyagi, right? Yeah, that match yes, was awesome. Yeah. They went like four and a half on it. Yeah, yeah, that that match ruled, and I was I was hoping we would get that Koji Iwamoto, uh, where he's he just kind of went uh, kind of Takuya Nomura ish, where he's just like blank faced and oh, like Abushi too, where he's just like. You know, I'm I'm tired of this BS. I'm just gonna beat the shit out of you now, kind of thing. Um, but hey, maybe they're they they had like their sign of respect where they kind of you know broed out at the end of the match and and shook hands and and showed each other respect. And hopefully we we get an extended version of this at yeah. some point, maybe in the, the junior uh, junior tournament. I mean, I will say I like know. to me, Iramoto is a classic guy that works better in tags. Where like all of his all my favorite matches yeah, are sure. all these tags. I think we're like. He gets in and does his spots and gets out, and he's like, comes off like you said, like a killer. Uh, we forgot to mention, by for the way, sure. after the main event, uh, Kohei Sato walked out as the next challenger <laughs> for Suwama, um, which was a it was a night of big challenges, which we'll get to with the junior title in a second too. I, I don't know how you feel about Kohei Sato. He's a guy that I've always kind of been a little bit more of a mark for. Like I, I really liked his uh, his stuff in Zero One whenever I saw it. Like he has a there's a match he has against um from like he, i mean he's been doing this forever now i mean um there's a match he covered on a five matches episode with him and nakamura from like 2009 during that new japan zero one feud at the time that's fucking awesome and you know mm-hmm. sato i mean he's he's my kind of wrestler where like he just he he he'll laugh in your face while he like beats the shit out of you uh he's like one of the stiffest guys even for japanese wrestling which is saying something and you know i i, I love him so you know i've I definitely support him challenging Suwama. I saw some people groaning, like, oh, two more old guys in another Triple Crown title match. And it's true, Kohei Sato uh, is pretty fucking old at this point. I think he's like 40... Yeah, 43. Exactly right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's... he's You know, definitely on the older side. He's been around the block a while. Uh, but I, you know, as far as like... But he's like, even beyond his age, he's completely fresh to all Japan. I mean, he just walked out of zero one late last year, uh, so we're yeah. really seeing him as an all Japan guy, or at least a you know a freelancer doing all Japan for the first time, you know, in forever. Uh, and I you know I think he's probably made appearances over the years, but nothing you know that regular. So you know it, it's really cool to see him challenge Suwama. Uh, I'm definitely into that match. We don't have a date for that yet, but that'll be really really cool to see. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm I'm a fan of of Kohei as well, and all of his chain smoking and his, his cats and uh I wonder, um just just the style I wonder if he's ever challenged for the title uh, before. let's check real quick just kind of curious uh I... he's he's right up my alley though and i i it's obvious that it's uh, like shuji ishikawa oh yeah like, putting a good word in yeah so, so so if cage matches to be believed he's never even challenged for the triple crown before so that's really cool yeah i mean he's he's obviously held the uh zero one waterboard title a whole bunch of times six times total so he's no he's no uh, stranger to world titles. He also held the Big Japan Strong title uh, briefly in 2019. Um, Big Jap- oh yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. It was only a couple yeah. years ago. <laughs> um, th- so those are like the two biggest titles he's held. It seems like a bunch, of, a million tag titles and stuff. And uh, zero one, he held the All Asia Tag Titles in 2003. Wow, that was like his very first wow. title. Uh, so, so him with. Uh, Hirotaka Yokai. I don't even know who that is. 
So <laughs> yeah, me neither. But yeah, um, so that was his first title, the All Asia Tag Titles. Uh, but yes, so he's the next challenger. Now, interesting idea. Could you see him winning? <laughs> it would be it would be really cool on one hand to see an outsider champion. They haven't had one, you know, in a while. On the other hand, uh, I think people would flip the fuck out because it's like you have this probably eleventh month or even one year long Suwama reign by the time it ends, and you used to put over a forty three year old Kohei Sato. <laughs> like people would people would have Shuji Shikawa's head on a pike for that one, especially since we all know it's his buddy. Uh, but yeah, that would be that'd be something. <laughs> yeah especially with uh the vtr for this uh this triple crown match with ashino and suwama like they were with my limited japanese they were um really stressing like the new generation like the shin jidai mm. um and it's like they, they got like jake and, and kento and aoyagi and all and ashino kind of showing up in this in this vtr is like the new generation and suwama's kind of like the 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 last warrior of like the previous and then it's like oh like no not the new generation's not going to get the triple crown it's going to be <laughs> i think people would melt people Surprise. would melt down and i i would be it's one of these things where like i would be into it and also understand why people would melt down because it's like <laughs> yeah no I, I totally get that uh, yeah. But yeah yeah and it probably wouldn't help their drawing no. power to be honest like um it would be fun to watch i i agree but i don't think they'd be feeling cork in as well as yeah. they have I mean, recently I, it's my official prediction is Suwama wins, but, uh, you know, yeah. for all the reasons we laid out. But, yeah, that would be something. Uh, so, it, it'll be, back, I think it'll be really good. I'm really <laughs> excited. The junior title, meanwhile, the afterwards, after Iwamoto retained, the lights went out and Shiba's music played. And we got a video message with him uh, challenging Iwamoto for a future title match. Also, no date yet for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's something, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of think Shima could win that. Unlike unlike Sato, I kind of think Shima could win. But yeah, it seems like I've, he's been him and the rest of or T Hawk and Linda have been uh, showing up more often in all Japan recently. And I, I think was it the the twelve thirteen fan appreciation quirk and show where uh, it was was it, uh, Suwama Shima and Kento that tagged yeah. together. Um, I think after that match. Uh, Shimo got on the mic and like pretty much said strong hearts is coming to all Japan next year. So I hope that happens. And honestly, I hope Iwamoto beats Shima and then we get like, uh, like Shima then, you know, pivots to T-Hawk or Linda for a, a, a title defense or uh, to set up a, a title match against Iwamoto. Well, T-Hawk challenge for the junior title or isn't he too big? Yeah. Who's T-Hawk? Uh, You'd probably know better than me, but I hate. If Let me that's say, what's the case, what is Seahawks' weight well. listed as? I mean, he's 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 listed I, at. Oh no, I guess he could do it. He's eighty six kilos, one hundred ninety pounds. Let's see what the All Japan Junior. Yeah. I mean, they could do whatever they want, I guess. But you know, I don't know if they would yeah, consider him yeah. a junior, but I guess they could do it. Let's say that the weight limit for this is. Uh, I feel okay, like you yeah. have so two twenty pounds, a hundred. 100 kilograms so yeah he would just fit under there by pretty actually by quite a bit actually so never mind what i said (laughs) i just and in my head in my head t-hawk is not a junior but and it's because he's always he's always standing next to linda and he's got like six inches on him (laughs) but he's only like five nine he's not like that tall it's just he's in he was in dragon game looks like he's uh, a fucking giant next to some of those guys yeah he really does i've been watching i've been watching some 2012 uh 
uh, Dragon Gate recently, and I I caught up to uh, King of Chop, and so he's all over that, and I'm just like, man, this guy, like I knew he was good, but like I wish there was somewhere he could land in 2021 where he could really just you know yeah. blow up, and maybe all the fans that I mean, played, I kept I don't thinking because we just I kept thinking it was going to be DDT, especially after he and Linda Man were yeah. so awesome in the King of DDT tournament last year, but it did not happen. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, DDT has so many guys anyway that's. I guess it's tough to find him a, a, a regular spot. Uh. For sure. But I, I am excited to see Yomoto versus any of those guys, and specifically Shima, too. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. So there you go. That's the junior title stuff. Uh, then we have the third and final title match here. Well, the first of the three on the card. Uh, Jun Kasai defends the Giora TV title in a hardcore match against Black Mensa Ray in 1241 with a vertical drop type reverse tiger driver. Uh, according to the All Japan site. just kind of looks like a pedigree to me, but whatever. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, this was... Look, this was one of the kind of match that, like... There are some people that do not want to see this stuff in All Japan at all. Uh, and I get it. I mean, this is, you know... It is Zed Nihon. I get all that. But, like, if you're if you're willing to have this... First of all, it's for the Gayora TV title, which is a belt that no one <laughs> on Earth has ever given a shit about. So it's not like he's doing this for the Triple Crown. Uh, so I don't really have a problem with that part of it. Uh, second of all, you know, this stuff was, this was a fun match. I mean, I thought this was like a, you know, it's not like a, a fucking mat classic or anything, but I went like three and a half stars on it. I thought it was good. And after sitting through the, the first four tags that were nothing, I was like, well, you know, at least we had some, something to bite your teeth into here. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you know, Menso Ray, he's obviously a, a, a kind of a comedy gimmick, but like, at least he's funny. So like like his theme song, yeah. which is you know uh, this weird remix of shots by LMFAO. I always forget what it is until it starts playing, and it always cracks me up. <laughs> and you know I, it, the theme song is because obviously it sounds like they're saying "sha," which is his you know his yeah. uh, snake sound. But yeah, the, 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 probably the funniest part of the entire match was Menso choking Jun Kasai over the ropes with what appeared to be a garden hose while yelling "sha" like. Like in one big like shah, uh, that's one of those things that will stick with me for a while. That was, and then at one point, Jun Kasai uh, pulls the poor snake man's mask off and gets out the skewers, and he just stabs this man in the head. Uh, of course, first of all, it's uh, shocking that he uh, would reveal uh, Blackman's or Ray's very secret identity here. Uh, so that's uh, oh you my know, god. Just, um, I couldn't believe it was Yohei Nakajima underneath just, the mask. Just, uh, just a, a shocking uh, lack of respect here by Jim Kasai <laughs> uh, doing this unmasking. But yeah, this was pretty fun. I thought, you know, definitely the best thing on the show up to this point. Uh, you know, after the four tags we're, we're about to talk about that were nothing. Uh, so I, I enjoyed yeah, it. I, I, I enjoyed it as well. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I was going into it thinking Kasai was just going to beat the hell out of Mensurei and then he, uh, you know, kept kicking out at, at 2.9 and uh, putting up a fight and the skewer spot. Like, I thought it the, it was pretty funny. Because uh, uh, I tried to put, the, he tried to jam the skewers, through, like, through the mask with the mask on. And then that didn't work. So he ripped <laughs> the mask off and, and then did the skewer thing. But, uh, you know, besides, like, my only issue, and this is not related to All Japan at all. It's just, like, I've seen it so much within such a short period of time. I'm kind of over uh, people ripping masks <laughs> off of guys right now. I mean, we've had Desperado, Dragon Kid. Uh, 
I don't even know why I know this, but TJP had his mask ripped off or he tore it off at, at a, the last big impact show. Um, and then now this, and I'm just like, come on, <laughs> can we just like return to some decorum here? Like with masked wrestlers, like, can we, can we cool it at least space it out like every three months or something? But it's like within the last month, I've seen it four times. Uh, it's like, Ugh. but in terms of the match, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, then Shuji Ishikawa walks out to be the next challenger in a death match, which the crowd reacts yeah. huge for that. I mean, look, if you don't know the history of Shuji Ishikawa in death matches, he held the death match heavyweight title for all of 2013, practically, in Big Japan. And that's where all those scars on his body come from. And it's, you know, some of the most memorable death matches of all time. And then when he, yeah, yeah awesome. then when he lost that title, he was like, he retired from death matches. He's like, I'm not doing death matches you know, ever again, basically. And he might have done, like, some tags or something after that, but I think for the most part, he's really stuck to that. So to have him walk out here and be, like, deathmatched for the Gaora TV title, of all things, that is crazy. So, again, no date on that yeah. either, just like the other two they set up here, but uh, I, I can't wait for that. That's going to be nuts. So, Do you, I can't even, like, my brain can't comprehend seeing the blue All Japan canvas with white tubes like <laughs> wrapped around the ring like on the ropes i'm just like yeah. what is this uh, and I'm a, I'm a deathmatch fan and i'm looking forward to it but i'm I, I can't wait to have that visual i know there's tons of people that are are that hate it and will despise it yeah. but like personally I'm, I'm i'm pumped for it and also like you said like seeing those two go at it in the deathmatch like that means a lot to whoever's followed both of these guys careers and i'm sure they're going to freaking yeah. kill it but i mean look the fans yeah. there seemed excited so i don't know like look I, I get it with all this stuff where people are like oh angry about it but it's like it's fuck this is not this 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 is barely the same company that it was in 1995 like yeah. they have to do something to you know some different things to stand out i mean look if you if you really look at it like you know the way japanese wrestling has gone in the past 20 plus years i mean who is the continuation of all japan and like what they were doing it's new japan I mean, New Japan completely yeah. went away from the the historical basis of the promotion, which was the you know the strong style, the the fit. Yeah, the, they went to, yeah, basically yeah, they do Kings Road. That's that's the point. <laughs> I, I've made that point a million times, but yes, they basically took All Japan style, uh, the '90s All Japan style. And that's that's what they are now. Is a continuation of that. They really have almost no connection to their historical strong style of like you know, which was kind of like fake MMA, basically. I mean, if you, especially if you go back... Yeah. I mean, I've been watching a lot of these older New Japan stuff. There's a lot of, uh, like, you know... F like, the very first Tokyo Domain event is, like, a worked MMA match with, like, Inoki and, um, you know, this giant Georgian judoka. They don't do anything like that anymore. So, you know, New Japan, yeah. you know, does the historical style of all Japan. Noah, you know, in some ways, kind of does the historical style of New Japan. You know, with, like, at least with, like, the kicks and, like... You know the, um, you know the really intense striking, and you know they have a few guys like you know they use Fujita, uh, who was around in the in the Enokiism days, and uh, you know they use Hideki Suzuki sometimes. So they're probably the closest thing to a continuation of that style, and you know that leaves all Japan. But like, well, what what the fuck's our niche, right? I mean, so you know this is a kind. Of, Kento's main <laughs> yeah. events. Yeah, I mean this it. is a kind of if this is Kento's the kind of thing they have to do to get some attention. I mean. You know, I kind of understand it. It's it's barely the same company. I mean, you know, it has the same colored sure. mat, but that's about that's really about it. So, yeah, and I mean, like you said, like the the Gaora title really means nothing yeah. to anybody 
and it hasn't. And at least this is elevating it to actually like it's at least getting people to tune in to see out of interest what the heck is going on with Jude yeah. Desai and this belt. I mean, Yoshitachi had this belt I, before that. I mean, who gives a, who gave, Sushi had it. Yeah, Sushi exactly. had it for a long time. I mean, like, who gives a shit? So at least they're they're doing yeah, something yeah. different with it. I mean, I did say on Twitter, like, uh, Jun Kasai versus Shuji Shikawa in All Japan in a death match for the Gayora TV title. It sounds like wrestling Mad Libs. I mean, it really does. Like, it sounds <laughs> like you're just putting things in. But it is funny, and I can't... It, it'd be, I'm going to have to go find that. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> to say. Like, it really does sound like wrestling. Uh, match number four on the show was an eight-man tag team match. Um, the team of uh, the Enfants, Koji Doi, Kuma Arashi, uh, Omor, uh, Hokuto Omori, and Yusuke Kodama. They beat the team of Kento Miyahara, Yuma Aoyagi, uh, Atsuki Aoyagi, and Rising Hayato. Uh, that went, let's see, only seven minutes and 16 seconds. So very quick. Uh, Omori pinned Aoyagi. Um, you know, this was every undercard tag on this show, but probably the best one. Uh, but perfectly fine, utterly forgettable, very short. Uh, I went three stars because the action was fun while it lasted, but there really was not much to it at all. Uh, and then Mfon's got, got to stand tall here, which I wrote at the time. May or may not be good for Ashino in the main event. It turned out to not be good. Uh, and Omori, I think, I mean, you probably even, you know more Japanese than I did, than I do, I think. He was like taunting Yuma about pinning his brother after the match, I think. I'm Omori, sorry, I think, was you, taunting what, what, Yuma Aoyagi about pinning his brother, I think. Oh yeah, 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 something like that. I, um, yeah. that would make sense. I, yeah, my Japanese is is uh, <laughs> well, so bad is at this point, but I always say third grade level. That's about where I'm at. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's what I got out of it. I think he was taunting his taunting Yuma about pinning his brother. But um, you know, Omori's an interesting guy because he was an all Japan, you know, all Japan raised guy who joined the Enfants. But I don't know. Yeah, I really like him too. He reminds me of uh, just. Aesthetically, he reminds me of like a like a 2008 2009 mm. Yamato. Um, I think it's just like the little ring skirts that he comes out with. Um, that that very much aesthetically looks like Yamato, but he's he's got a similar look. But I just really like his uh, he's got a lot of charisma yeah. for a young kid. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Uh, match three Shuji Ishikawa, Kohei Sato, and Ryuke Honda defeating Yoshitatsu, Ryuji Sai, and Jikara. Uh, Sato pinning Chikara in 735 at the Drill a Hole Pile Driver. Um, so yeah, Sato gets the pin here. That makes sense because he was going to walk out to challenge uh, in the main event. Uh, some nice kicks from Sion Honda. That was my early highlight. Uh, Chikara, <laughs> still pretty bad. Uh, he somehow made a top rope chop look like shit. Uh, but you know, <laughs> then he gets cut off and double teamed by the Ishikawa side and then pinned fairly quickly by Sato with a pile driver. I mean, the thing people don't get with Chikara is he's like being bad is kind of his gimmick. I mean, it's really not yeah. something he's, uh, you know, he's trying. It's, I, I don't know if he's trying to be bad, but it, they definitely have leaned into it. Uh, like at this point, if you're still waiting for, uh, him to be some kind of great wrestler because of his family lineage, uh, I don't think you're, you're going to see that ever, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. But he's not, he's not like, if I see him on the first, like, third of a, or half of the card, and he's more often than not taking the fall, I'm not, I'm not going to turn off the show because Chikara is yeah. booked, you know, he's, he's oh fine God, he's for what he is, now. you know, he's, he's... yeah, holy cow. <laughs> uh, 
his kid's gonna start <laughs> wrestling soon. Who's so yeah, he he's what, Ricky Dawson's grandson, right? I think. Or is it great grandson? Is it I think it's great grandson, yeah, right? right? But and he, well, I, he's uh, Mitsuo yes. Momoda's son. Well, I thought Mitsuo Momoda... Yeah. Okay, so his grandson, because Momoda is definitely Ricky Dozen's son. Yeah, so grandson. Yes, okay. But yeah, because uh, Momoda was also known as Ricky Dozen Jr., so... But yeah, but yeah uh, Mitsuo I didn't Momoda's know that. son. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, if you're waiting for Chikara to be, uh, you know, some kind of great wrestler, I, I, I think the, the ship has sailed on that one. But uh, he only started in 2013. Wow, would think he would have been around longer than that. But uh, yeah, that's just kind of kind of interesting, I guess. But yeah, I mean, last year to give you, I mean, he's very much a part-time guy. I mean, to give you an idea, he worked 12 matches for Freedoms, 10 matches for All Japan, four for DDT, four for that PPP Tokyo thing. That's like very tiny indie. Three for the Pro Wrestling A Team, like the Apache uh, thing, and then the. One for something called the Kira Kira Tayo Project. I could not tell you what the fuck that is. So, uh, so very very notable yeah. bookings that that fans should really Taka, get upset. Taka Michinoku wrestle wrestle events with whatever that is. The Kira Kira Tayo Project. So that's huh. like the only name on this card I recognize, other than Chikara. But there you go. Uh, but yes, that's. Uh, that's that's Chik- I mean Chikara, like you said, his gimmick is he's supposed to be bad. People get really mad about him for some reason, and it's like, and I, I mean, he, he just kind of sucks. I mean, there's all there's, there's no point in getting mad about it. And the gimmick is like the gimmick is that Yoshitatsu of all people uh, berates him after his loss and like slaps him to motivate him. And it's like when Yoshitatsu <laughs> is telling you you suck. I mean, <laughs> it's something. Yeah, yeah that was the right. That was a pretty funny post match. Which again, I tweeted about that. I made like a joke about Yoshitatsu berating him, and people thought I was saying making a joke about ber- berating uh, the wrestling promotion. I'm like, no, there's a wrestler named Chikara in all Japan, not not the like. At this point, I thought Chikara was the promotion was so irrelevant. I mean, it doesn't even exist anymore. I don't think. So I thought that yeah, no. people wouldn't people wouldn't think I was tweeting about that, but I guess people still don't know who Chikara is. So I, just, I had to, yeah, I, had I knew to be who you more talking. specific. I, uh, side note, the only time I've ever seen Chikara wrestle live, I think we were at the show together, and uh, it was Tokyo Lurid oh, yeah. Taisho invented by it was Mochizuki and Minoru Tanaka, but I forgot the match. It, uh, Chikara was in, it was a tag match. He tagged with his dad against Kaz Hayashi <laughs> and Shima, which I'm just like, who who in their right mind, oh wait, of course, <laughs> Nosawa Rongai would put Shima and Kaz Hayashi up against <laughs> That show was incredible. For crying out, I can't believe that show was incredible. I mean, that was a that was in Shinjuku Face first of all, which is an awesome venue, and that show also had uh, Kazunari Murakami on it, and he like walked right in front of me, like directly in front of my person, was kicking the shit out of somebody. I don't remember who the fuck he was facing, and. Like these kicks were like so brutal. I'm like, oh, this man looks like a murderer. Like he looks like he could murder me right now if he wanted to. So it was, it was, it was, <laughs> it, was it was him and uh, Yuji Hino against Hideki Suzuki and Tomohiko oh, yeah, that Hashimoto. Was, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I have the, I have that show somewhere on a hard drive. Yeah, please send it to me because I would love to relive that. Yeah, we'll we should do like a retro review. 
<laughs> match number two, which was a six-man tag team match, uh, Hikaru Sato, Dan Tamura, and Rambo Kawamura uh, defe- defeating the team of Takao Omori, Carbel Ito, and Alejandro in 802. Uh, Sato submitting Omori with the cross arm breaker. That was pretty shocking. I mean, when's the last time a junior heavyweight submitted a heavyweight? I mean, let alone, uh, you know, Omori's kind of a legend at this point. So that was a pretty, pretty nuts finish uh, in a otherwise, uh, you know, nothing match. I think I, I forgot to mention for match three, if you're, if you're dying to know my star rating for that six man, I went two and three quarters. It was fine. Uh, this one here, <laughs> you know, this was a lot about the Kawamura comedy. I mean, he had a machine gun and their machine gun sound effects for the gun. Uh, his partners did helpfully take it away from him when he tried to use it in, in the actual match to seemingly prevent any fatalities, but uh, then he pulled out a knife. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of the highlight. I went two and a half. It was perfectly average. I don't know. Don't really have anything to say about it. Yeah, I don't I don't have much to say. I, I would like to see a Rambo Kawamura match against uh, Takayuki Hueki see who, who would win in a, <laughs> a gunfight. Face off of I mean, they both, yeah, they, it'd be a gunfight, essentially. Uh, match, the opener here was a, another six-man tag team match. Uh, Zeus, Izanagi, and Utamaro defeating Jake Lee, Tajiri, and Francesco Akira. 6-22, Zeus pins Akira with a choke slam. Um, you know, another perfectly fine tag match. Izanagi, they, like the, there was a negative highlight early on where Izanagi, like, weirdly, like, really screwed up a pretty simple arm drag sequence for Tajiri at the start. He, like, barely got over for one's yeah. arm drags. So, so you saw that as Izanagi not flipping for Tajiri. I, I, I interpreted it as Tajiri not, not mm. like aiding Izanagi. But I, I know the spot you're talking about. I, I it caught me off guard too. I was like, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty rough to mess up a an yeah. arm. Track. I mean, other than that, I thought it was you know pretty good match. I mean, I, you know, I, I yeah. guess I, I deducted a quarter stars or two and three quarters. But uh, you know, not a lot. Not else to say about it. Just. Uh, you know, pretty standard stuff here. It's why we start with the main events first, because I really don't have anything to say about these opening tests. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that'll do it for this Corrigan. I, I would say, you know, a pretty typical All Japan Corrigan where, like, uh, if, you, if you haven't watched this and you haven't listened to any, you, haven't, you know, if you haven't watched it as you're listening to this, uh, you could definitely skip matches one through four. I mean, there's just nothing there you need to say. Uh, but the last three matches are all pretty much worth your time. And, you know, I would have to call it, like, a mild thumbs-up show. Um... You know, especially the main event. I mean, really, if you're really pressed for time, I think you could skip the other two title matches and and just watch the main event. But the main event is highly recommended. Um, you know, the, I had a theory I was batting around in the, in the voice wrestling slack uh, last night that I think one of the reasons why people are so down on All Japan nowadays is because they haven't run anything resembling a real supercard in a million years, it feels like. And, like... You know, they have all these Corrigans where, you know, you have, like, one big match or, like, at most, like, two or... I, I mean, I really struggle to call that third one. Like, your TV title a big match. I mean, it's really two big matches here. Uh, and, like, you know, then a whole bunch of undercard stuff that, you know, means very little. And, you know, those sh- these shows are fine to good. I would even call this one good. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, you got to do some cards where, like, you give people, like, four matches deep, five matches deep. Like, give people, like, a big show to sink their teeth into. They don't do that anymore. They really haven't done that. Uh, I mean, the last one I can think of was, like, what, like, the 2018 Sumo Hall show or something? Did they even run Sumo? They ran Sumo Hall in 2018, right? I think that was the last one. It was either late 2017 or early 2018, but yeah. 
Uh, and then, uh, cause they ran it two times, like within right. a year, um, if I remember correctly, but, it, but yeah, besides, I, I think once Yokohama Bunko went out, like they kind of just scrapped the idea of running yeah. like big, big shows, which kind of stinks because I feel like they've got some steam and they could really, really do something now, especially with not, not to like say they're capitalizing on the pandemic, but like with these half capacity buildings, I'm sh- like everybody else is getting these these big buildings at, at what I would imagine are, are yeah. pretty good rates. So they're why, why not book Sumo Hall and, and build to it or or even the new uh, Yokohama. Uh, uh, what is it that the new Budokan, Yokohama yeah. Budokan or uh, um, just something like mid-level, but not yeah. huge. So, you know? so like um, and, the, the, the so I was a little off. The last Sumo Hall show was August 2017. So it's been a really long time. And like yeah. these Yokohama Bunka shows, I'm looking at them now. They have not even ran one of these in a while. The last one they ran, it looks like, was February 2019. Uh, but even that was like really like four matches deep, kind of. I mean, you had Kento versus Suwama. Yeah. You had Strong BJ against Sweeper for the tag titles. You had Seki Yoshioka against Koji Iwamoto in the Battle of Glory Finals. Then you had a random Dylan James versus Nomura singles match, which, I mean, that's something. It's better than a tag, but it's not like a big, big match. And then you had four undercard tags. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I would even call that, like, a super card, you know? Um, that's basically what, what – it's basically the same layout yeah, as the show. Yeah, very close. Reviewed. I mean, maybe one more match. <laughs> yeah. And, like, again, these other ones I'm looking at, again, like, maybe you get three to four matches deep. And even here, the fourth one on this October 2018 is Tajiri versus Chikara for the Gayora TV title. I mean, they're just <laughs> not running – they have not run these, like, super card-level shows that feel like a big deal – the way even, like, obviously New Japan does it, but DDT does it, Noah does it. I mean, Noah has Nippon Budokan coming up. Uh, I mean, you know, yep. even Big Japan runs, like, super cards, you know, a couple times a year. You know, they do they do Sumo Hall, right. and they do yeah. use, like, at least one big Yokohama show. They did the Eddie on Arena yeah. last, last I November. Mean, like, there was only a 1,000 people in the building, but it, that in, in these times and, like, just given, you know, where they're at in like the hierarchy of Japanese pro wrestling. That's, that was a, a, a good turnout for them. And I think all Japan, even if they were in Osaka, they could probably put more than that in like any yeah. own arena proper, not, not Osaka. Yeah. And uh, you can't even blame two. this on COVID because like I said, the last, I mean, they have not run a supercard really since 2017. So, I mean, there's many years here 2018, yeah. 2019 where they weren't, you know, they just weren't doing anything. And I guess, you know, part of it's financial, probably. They can't afford to bring in a lot of outsiders to fill out these cards. But, like, I don't know. They really got to... I mean, they, they supposedly are on more solid financial ground now thanks to their, you know, their new president and his uh, horror movie investments and stuff. And something where, you know, maybe they do this as, like, a celebration after COVID ends or something. But they got to, like, like, run something big again to, like, let people rally around your promotion and, you know, have something big to look For forward sure. to. Right now, they just, you know, they just feel like they're on, like, this endless treadmill, you know? So... Yeah, well, and the Suwama rain yeah. doesn't really help with that. But maybe, like, what what they need to do is build towards a big show, like you're saying, and and build that to be Suwama's uh, title loss against <laughs> anybody that it, I mean, like they have plenty of people they can build behind. It's just I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but yes, yeah. so some upcoming matches for All Japan that we have booked already. Like I said, the all the all the ones they have up there uh, have nothing are not scheduled yet, so we don't know when those will happen. Uh, February 18th in Shinkiba, we get a very interesting singles match. Uh, Kento Miyahara one-on-one with Abdullah Kobayashi. Uh, because, of course, there is a tag title match coming up that we'll talk about. But, yeah, that is uh, that is something. 
I, I mean, uh, what's his name? It, uh, Jamie from Dramatic DT, like, uh, on Twitter called it uh, Fire Pro Booking, which I can't really disagree. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm probably an outlier. Yeah, I, enjoy I mean, I, I enjoy Abby too for what he is. Even, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't go into his matches expecting <laughs> like a, a four star yeah. match. But, like sometimes he might surprise you though, and he might give you a good showing. And then, but like he's, uh, if you know his history and just know what he's put his body through, if you're a deathmatch fan, that means a lot to some people. But like the. The feud that he's built up with Miyahara, and I mean, they're doing it at Shinkiba. I mean, it's not like it's going to be like a, a highly touted match, but they have this little mini feud that's been pretty yeah. entertaining, in my opinion. I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that match and seeing what they do with it. I'm sure maybe, I'm, maybe Kento will yeah, bleed so a little bit. Be I don't know. So that's February 18th <laughs> at Shinkiba. Uh, also on that show is the second match of Ryuki Honda's uh, trial series against Yoshitatsu. So there you go. Uh, the next show that we have a match booked for uh, is only a couple days later, February 20th uh, in Nagoya Congress Center. Uh, we have an all-purple haze, all-Asia tag title match. Uh, Zeus and Izanagi will make their third defense against Shigehiro Irie and Utamaro. So that'll be interesting. You know, maybe not like a humongous match or anything, but just an interesting one all, all in the same unit, you know. Yeah, stable mates going up against each other for the belt. Yeah, I, I, and then I'll, a I'll few days after that, that yeah. February twenty third at Corican. So all this stuff is within five days of each other. Uh, is the World Tag Team Titles Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi against Daisuke Sekiboto and Abdullah Kobayashi. So uh, there you go. That'll be interesting as well. So that that you know that just seeing Sekimoto and, uh, and Kobayashi challenging for the All Japan Titles will be a uh, you know. I don't think they're going to win, but, you know, I guess we'll see. It is the first defense attempt well, for the, Miyahara and Aoyagi. Yes, and it, it does make sense that Sakamoto and Abby are coming in, considering they they beat Aoyagi and Miyahara on the first night of the right. Real World Tag League last no, last November. So that's uh, a good shout. And then, I mean, people, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm coming no. off like an apologist, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still a big fan of, of Daisuke. People say he's falling off, but I, I still enjoy him, and I love Abby, and I love those guys. So I, I'm looking forward to this, and I think they'll have a All a right, fun so these are all Japan talk. We'll get back to it um, when we have the, get to the listener questions because there's a few of them. Uh, so let's quickly head over to New Japan now. Uh, with, the show will probably take a little bit less time to talk about, not as big of a show. But it was a <laughs> Road to New Beginning show on January 23rd at the Oda Ward Gym. Uh, as we mentioned, it was a sellout of 1,325. Um, you know, I, I will say right off the bat, I was pretty disappointed in this show. I mean, going in, you know, I thought this card looked just a lot better than, uh, you know, any any of these Corkins. obviously. We're not going to cover the, the three Corkins that took place. I, I watched them all. I will just say they're incredibly skippable. I mean, if you don't want... Like, they, they are perfect if you have... Like, if you're like me and you're working from home and you want to put something on the background that you don't have to concentrate on. They're perfect yep. for that. If you want to sit down and pay yep. close attention to a wrestling show, ain't much there. Uh, now, the Corkin from today, January 24th, which we're also not going to review, because I, I don't think you watched it at all, and I haven't even finished it yet. I, I still have the main event to go. That show was actually quite good. And maybe I'll touch on that before we wrap up this segment. But that that show, I think I prefer to this Oda War Gym show, which is surprising. Because, uh, you know, this show I thought on paper looked really good, but just, you know, a couple things here didn't really deliver, which we'll get to. Uh, 
the main yeah, event, start with yeah. the main event here, which, you know, uh, ELP, El Fantasmo, and Tajiri Ishi, uh, Taiji Ishimori. I don't know why I said Tajiri. I'm sorry. Uh, they successfully, or they, they successfully uh, defeated the team of Kanemaru and El Desperado, uh, ending their junior tag team title right here on their attempted third defense. So the match went 23-07. ELP pinned Kanemaru with his loaded boot super kick. Uh, to become the second or become the junior tag team champions uh, for the second time. Um, so people on this show, I think, our listeners know how I feel about ELP. Uh, he didn't do much here to change my mind on him. I just, you know, there there was good <laughs> stuff in this match. Um, you know, it just did not involve the seemingly endless heat segment for ELP and Ishibori. Uh, it was built around back rakes. You know, ELP did a uh, flipping back rake after walking across, which uh, some people probably think is cute, but is honestly just, like, boring and stupid to me. And I I just, I don't... (laughs) It's very, very, like, Young young Bucks from, like, 2015, 2016. And, like, the kind of people who like that shit, I'm not surprised if they like this, too. But he just, he does less than nothing for me. I mean, like, you know... um, he he became a controversial topic in the uh, voices of wrestling slack recently, and like some of that spilled over on the um, on the Wrestle Kingdom reviews we did. But I, I don't know, like people people get like some people get very touchy about ELP, and they're like, "Well, ELP is actually good, and you just don't like foreigners in New Japan." And it's like there's plenty of foreigners <laughs> in New Japan who I think are awesome right now. I mean, this is probably the most I've loved the current slate of foreigners. I mean, I love Zack Saber Jr. Zack Saber Jr. is like you know, one of my favorite wrestlers in the company. Um, and then even beyond him, though, I mean, I think Jay White's awesome if he stays. I think he's been really, really good. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of foreigners now off the top of my head and for some reason failing. Robbie Eagles Rob, has been Robbie awesome. I mean, actually, Tom, well, I was saying Tonga Loa looks really good and you know, on the on the tag league yeah. tour. Not, Tama Tonga looks the same as he always does, which is not that great. But Tonga Loa, I think, has made a few a big strides. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's some other guys too that I'm just like blanking on right now for some reason. Uh, but yeah, Cobb is, oh, Cobb has been awesome. There's a great, that's a great one. I mean, Cobb, yeah. you know, he was ever since the hill turn, he's been so good. And then, you know, he, he and Shingo, uh, you know, put on that incredible match at Russell Kingdom. Um, and you know, even, I mean, Osprey, not never going to be my favorite guy and he has his own issues too, but I think he's been, you know, better since he turned heel as well. Um, and yeah. you know, there's there's other guys too that uh you know, like I said, like Dragon Lee's been awesome when he's been there. He hasn't been able to get my company in a while. Uh John Moxley was awesome when he was there. You know, David Finley, I think, has been was really good during that tag league tour. I mean, there's plenty of fours in this company I like, is I guess is the point. The problem is ELP is not one of them, and ELP is uh, you know, as heavily pushed as anybody right now in this junior division. And, you know, I just I there's he just doesn't do anything for me. The 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 loaded boot gimmick is just so, I don't know, it's just like, I don't know, it's just, it is old school and like very, uh, in a bad way, I guess. It's like, it's a territory cheap heat gimmick that I don't need to see in 2021 New Japan. Like, the whole, oh, I don't have anything on my boot thing that's supposed to be heel heat. It's like, it's just very boring to me. It's just very... There's just nothing to it. And, like, people... The other thing people will say with ELP is, like, if you don't like him, well, he's a heel. You're not supposed to like him. And it's like, I get it. But you can... That's the same fucking defense that WWE fans have been making for years about Baron Corbin. 
I mean, you could say that for literally any... Basically what you're saying when you say that is you are not allowed to not like a heel because not liking a heel is what they want you to do. Well, then I guess evil must be the greatest wrestler of all time then since a lot of people listening to this fucking hate him. But he's a heel. It's What's he doing that's uh, so fucking different? So I don't know. I, I shouldn't have... I feel like I've had the same rant on the appeal a million times now, but I just... I cannot stand him. And like... His whole gimmick of like uh, internet troll, basically, especially like he has been—he is so annoying on the English commentary. I've been trying to listen to it again uh, when Kevin Kelly's in the building, at least when you, you don't have that horrible overdub effect. But I might have to go back to the Japanese. But if he is going to keep sitting in with him because he is so, and, and I get it. And I nobody needs to tell me he's trying to be annoying. I get that he's trying to be annoying. It's just that doesn't mean it's not annoying, and it doesn't mean I want to see it. So. You know, it's not, it's not good heat. It's get the fuck out of this company, please, heat. So, I don't know. I don't know if you feel any different about ELP, but yeah. that's my ELP rant. Yeah. yeah, no, I, uh, as a, just overall, I do, I do agree. I think he's an incredible, incredibly talented, like, human. Um, just physically gifted and that, like, just exponentially. But, yeah, it's something about this character. Um, and, like you said, like you, you summed it up pretty well, but I, I, I was actually typing up after watching this match, I was typing a, a, a out a tweet and I just kept going back and forth. Like, I don't know how to craft the thought that I'm trying to convey, but I just like, I go back and forth on him so much. Cause like, he'll have, you know, those great showings like he did in the super J cup against Liger or, or uh, Rocky Romero in the best of the super juniors a couple, a couple of years ago. Um, and just some great matches, but it's something about it's just this this gimmick. It's just cringy in in a yeah, cringy in the is wrong a great way. word. <laughs> and yeah, I mean cringy. It it, it 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 there's something about it that makes me feel embarrassed to be for both of us. Like yes. for me for watching it, and for you for him for portraying it. And it's like I don't know. I mean I I don't doubt the guy has talent. I mean he had he's had he's had some matches that I've enjoyed. That one with Will Osprey that everybody brings up was it was really good. The Sumo Hall one. I'm yeah. not denying it, but like, I just I don't want to see this gimmick. I just don't have any interest in watching this gimmick. And you know, the the loaded boot thing has just made it worse. If anything, I mean, it's just so it's yeah. just very cringeworthy. Uh, but yeah, so I end, I end up slapping three and a quarter on this. Um, you know, the the bullshit fiesta at the end with uh, everybody running in and refs getting taken out and all that. You know, I I'm sure that probably annoyed people more than annoyed me. I I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, you know, it was kind of silly, and the you know the crowd seemed to enjoy it. Uh, although I don't know if you necessarily want people laughing at your main event, but <laughs> that's okay. Thank you for saying that. I was I was going to say the exact same thing. I was sitting there watching the the second ref bump, and then uh, I forget who the third ref coming out was, but uh, he comes out and checks on the second ref who was knocked out, and uh, like you hear that audible laughter in in it, in, especially during these times when ev- like everybody's quiet by rule and you hear an audible like like collective laughter in your main event that means you're not probably hitting the right note (laughs) in in terms of what you're trying to get across to the fans and see i don't know i kind of think they were going for that kind of reaction i just don't know if that's a reaction you should go for in this this Uh, i mean i guess the other side of the argument could be it's just the junior tag titles it's just a road to show I get that. It's not like it's the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, but yeah. but it's I I feel like just 
running a show in Ultra mm. War Gym, like that I agree. gives it a level of Which is of why I was disappointed by this yeah, match in the show. Just, so yeah, I know I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I loved I love that venue. I was expecting to go in and I see all these, you know, basically exactly uh, just kind of facsimiles of the shows from earlier in the week, just a little beefed up a little bit and switched around. And I was I was looking forward to it on the sheer fact that yeah. it was in Ota Ward. And I thought they would go a little bit harder, and it really. Have you ever been to that venue? That's another bucket list venue for me. I'm thinking about it. I've never been to Oda Ward Gym. No, there was there was like I think on our trip there was a a Joshi promotion. I want to say Pro Wrestling Wave was running Oda Ward Gym the same day as one of the big shows. Maybe maybe even Invasion Attack, and we were like really Ah. thinking about it. But when we saw how far. It was that we would probably miss part of Invasion Attack or whatever show it was. We were like, ah, we can't really do this because it was. I really wanted to do it, well, but well, you, well, you made the right choice in terms of going because you yeah. ended up going to that Noah yeah. show and Differ. That's so true. You got to see Differ, and that's yeah, Differ. That you place can't... isn't open anymore. Whereas you'll yeah. get the fans. You, you, you didn't get to go to Differ, right? Yeah, Differ. Nope. Differ nope. was got awesome. That Differ well. was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even exist anymore. I. But so sad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like this, you know, the main event here, you know, uh, all the blow blows and you know a million things that happened at the end. That was kind of fun, but the early part was just so slow and boring, and the pretty much anything ELP did just dragged this match down for me. Even though I, I loved Despi and Kanemaru, and you know, they the, the highlight of this match and why even went as high as three and a quarter was Despi and Kanemaru getting to work babyface, and Kanemaru like did a really beautiful moonsault mm. at one point and. You know, just the both that they were really fun as like the faces here. As Suzuki Goon has been really fun as faces throughout this entire Bullet Club feud, but um, you know, yeah. it's just uh, just the match itself. Just like the, everything ELP did here did not work for me, so that's why it's only three and a quarter. Uh, anything else you want me to move on to the semi main event? Um, I'm I'm good to go. Yeah, I it was it was fine. I was hoping to enjoy it a lot more uh, than I the did. The <laughs> semi-main was an elimination match. Uh, Hontai and Chaos. We had to put... So they, they had to put in Kanji at the top. So if you looked at the top, they don't list the wrestlers' names, but it says, like, New Japan Main Army and Chaos versus Los Ingos. And we had to put and Chaos for show. <laughs> He's the only Chaos member of this match. First of all, you couldn't... You might as well just put a New Japan Main Army and show. And second of all, who cares about the difference between the New Japan Main Army and Chaos at this point? I mean, it's meant nothing... Since the day Tanahashi and Okada had that handshake. Uh, but yes, so the New Japan yep. main army and Chaos uh, defeated LIJ. Uh, Kota Ibushi, Tanahashi, uh, Tomaki Honma, Sho, and Master Wato beating Sonata, Shingo, Naito, Hiromu, and Bushi. Uh, Honma eliminated Naito last over the top rope in 24-22. Uh, so this was the other big disappointment of the show for me. I usually love these elimination matches, and I was really looking forward to this. But like, you know... Th- this was fine, but no, really nowhere near as, as good as I was hoping. I mean, the eliminations just were very predictable throughout. Other than, uh, yeah, they, I don't feel like they got they had a creative bone in their bodies when they were like yeah. forming this match the way out. <laughs> it was just like just dump them over the top rope, like uh, basically like the Royal Rumble, or just kind of backdrop them over the top rope and then punch them, and he'll fall to the floor. And it was kind of that standard type of. Uh, elimination tactic. Yeah, no, 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 it's totally fine. I mean, like, (laughs) just very, lots of over-the-top rope eliminations, a couple double eliminations, Uh, you know, they just had Ibushi and Sonata. I mean, I guess the big shocker was that Ibushi and Sonata were the first two out, 
uh, you know, Bushi tried to dump them both. And, you know, when it looked like Ibushi was trying to give Sonata his swan dive German, and then Master Wado sends Bushi into both of them to eliminate them. But, like, after that, you know, it was everything like, you know, Wato's shooting with Bushi, so Wato uh, eliminates Bushi. Uh, and then, you know, you know, Hiromu takes care of Wato. Uh, but then Sho eliminates Hiromu because they're feuding. Uh, Shingo, you know, eliminates uh, Sho because they used to have a feud. And then Tanahashi gives Shingo a dragon scroll off the apron to eliminate him because they had a feud. And I don't think there was a single pin this entire match, which is usually, you know, pretty wild. I mean, there's usually at least one. And, you know, it was all over the top rope. Um, and it comes down to Hama and Naito. That, that was probably the highlight here. And I use that term loosely, I guess. Yeah. But this feud, you know, this is a point I'm going to make. A, I guess I might as well make it now. I mean, this tour, um, the Road to New Beginning tour, the main feuds, you know, which are Sonata and Kota Ibushi for the double titles, which, you know, they're going to be on, uh, I believe, February 11th. Uh, Hiromu and Sho for the junior title February 10th and Tanahashi Shingo for the Never title on January 30th, those feuds have no juice at all. I mean, there is nothing on this tour that's building them up to be anything. And I'm really surprised by that, especially in the case of Shingo and Tanahashi, which I thought I thought that feud yeah. would have a ton of juice. I thought that, that would be really interesting. Instead, they've barely done anything with each other. I mean, Tanahashi came out and said at the end of the last show that like uh, his exact quote was like, never is not my goal. So it's like, why are you challenging this fucking title then, buddy? And it made it sound like, well, I just want to use the Never title as a stepping stone to get back to challenging for the double titles. Because what else could he mean by that, you know? So maybe he'll beat Shingo, and yeah. then maybe he'll challenge Kota Ibushi for Castle Attack. That's fine. But, like, they need to be doing something else with this feud. Like, Shingo should be pissed that he's saying that. Shingo hasn't showed any kind of, like, fire or anything. He hasn't really done or said much of anything, as far as I could tell. And, like, all he's basically said was, like, oh, Tanahashi, I'm going to beat him. That's it. Like, he really hasn't done anything. Like, just very, like, uncharacteristically low-key stuff from Shingo in these promos. Um, you know, Sho and Hiromu, they're doing, like, a... Uh, and I guess the problem with all... The, maybe the big problem with all is all three of your top feuds right now are Babyface versus Babyface, and they don't really have any, uh, you know... There's, like, no viciousness behind them or anything. But, like, Sho and Hiromu are just doing, like, oh, we're gonna have fun fighting each other. That's fine, I guess. Um, and that probably has, like, the most heat of the three feuds, probably, which is, you know, not saying much. And then Kota and Sonata haven't done anything. And I've I've been a Sonata defender, and I've been a Sonata apologist, but, man, buddy, you're challenging for the double titles. You could do something here. Like, you showed some fire in that evil feud, and you, like, you know, that feud, and, and end up with a match that ended up being su- surprisingly really good. And, like, just do something with Kota here. Like, get this going. Because... This has no heat at all so far. Um, but yeah, the, the, the feuds that have been working on this tour are like Naito and Hanma, which they've weirdly teased at since like last September. So that's like one of the longest term programs going in this company is to see a Naito and Tomaki <laughs> Hanma. When Naito was like taunting him before the G1, whether or not he'd be able to go into it. And obviously he didn't, um, which I thought was like a way to set it up that like in case they couldn't get the foreigners in, which was a, you know, which wasn't a uh, a guaranteed thing at the time. They were going to put Hama in, which would have, right. I mean, imagine that. That would have been horrifying. But yeah, I mean, I thought that's what they were doing there, but they they re- they went back to it now. And, you know, ha- the whole story here of Hanma, you know, Naito is very dismissive of him and is like, you know, you're below Yota Suji to me, um, you know, as a, as a target right now. And, you know, Hanma's whole thing is like, he's desperate just to show Naito that like, 
he should even be taken seriously at all. And he gets, you know, his moment here to dump Naito over the top rope. The problem, I mean, the feud itself is great, especially if you, like the promos and stuff have been really great. The problem is Homa can't move. Like, that's the thing. Like, it'd be great <laughs> if Homa could move still. If this was the Homa of 2016 or whatever, when he was like a brilliant underdog and like doing all this, like, this feud would be awesome. The problem is he can't move. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they're. And put, I mean, the, the only like layer of just like, I, w- I won't even like, I, would, I wouldn't even say. Uh, oh. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. He when it's like whenever he goes for that Kokeshi off that top rope, that's the only moment in his match where I <laughs> feel anything really. It's just like, and it's not, it's it's not like excitement. It's fear for his life because I don't want him to actually like go through with doing a Kokeshi off the top rope after basically breaking his yeah. head off of. The I mean, there was the a moment in this match where so Naito was trying to send Hanma into the ropes to cross Tanahashi up there when he was going for the high fly flow. And sending Hanma into the ropes was very generous because Hanma can't move. So he goes to send him, and Hanma (laughs) very slowly stumbles back up into the ropes. Uh, But yeah, and that's how Naito eliminated Tanahashi. But yeah, I mean, like, look, the people, there's people out there who will tell you that Naito can't move. Uh, And it makes me wonder, like, what do these people think? Like, Naito obviously has slowed down a bit. Yeah. But, like, you you see him in there with Hanma. Naito looks like he's in his fucking prime by comparison. And it's like, I don't know what these people (laughs) think when they say, you know, like, what do you... If you say Naito can't move, like, do you think Hanma's an actual corpse? Like, I don't understand. But, yeah, it is, uh, (laughs) you know, it is a really... It's an interesting view, but also, like, just not... Obviously, just the, prop, the part that Hama can't move is a big problem. But yeah, Hama eliminates Naito here yeah. uh, over the top rope to eliminate him. And Naito cut a great promo afterwards in the backstage uh, promos where he was like, you know, he starts to say uh, those over the top rope eliminations don't count. Then he's like, I hate when people say that. It does count. And, you know, he's just like his kind of thing is like being the hardcore fan voice or something. And he's just like, you know, just and then he basically <laughs> says, you know, Hama, you've gone up the ranking a little bit. You're still below Suji, but you've gone up a bit. And Hama, you know, is given this very uh, sincere babyface promo about like, oh, do you notice me now? And then they had a, you know, the, the tag match they had on today's Korokin, uh, which was Naito and Hirobu against Hama and Sho. That was way better than this. That was like a three and a half star tag match. And, you know, Hama, like, like he looked like, I don't know, like uh, in kayfabe, he's supposed to be revitalized from eliminating Naito, eliminating Naito. But like, he looked like he was actually moving a little better too. It was very weird. But yeah, I mean, like he, you know, that, that was oh, wow. his best match in forever. And, you know, they uh, obviously Sho and Hirobu were great. And Naito was, you know, the, Naito was good. And the, the entire match, like, you know, built to this big spot where, like, Hama uh, looks like he might actually be able to beat Naito. But Naito uh, gets some help from Hiromu and then gets that uh, that, that jumping flash pen he does to, to pin Hanma. So, yeah, I mean, the Naito-Hama thing is, like, the second most interesting feud in New Japan right now. We'll get, I mean, the first is obviously. Uh, Empire against Tenkozy. But that's again with two old guys yeah. in it. So, you know, the old men are carrying this tour to a degree. Um, and, you know, the, the evil Okada feud is kind of interesting too, I think, which we can get to when we get to that match. It's at least something. Uh, but yeah, like the, the, the side feuds, two of which are not building up anything on this tour. They're just in tag matches the entire time. The side feuds are kind of carrying the company uh, through this tour and the main feuds are just nothing. And that I get that I guess also dragged this uh, match down, and you know I slapped three stars on this. It was perfectly fine, but 
you know, in these elimination matches, they definitely get hurt by... They used to have, like, these molten hot crowds that would, went crazy whenever there was even a tease of elimination. Obviously, you can't do that during COVID. But, yeah, this was, like, disappointing. And I think a big part of why it was disappointing was, you know, how, like, nothing these top feuds for the top matches on this tour feel right now. So. Yeah, I... Uh, not to beat a dead horse, but I I agree. I I, I feel like yeah. we're agreeing on pretty much everything today. But yeah, New Japan's uh, uh, I don't know. I can't I can't remember the last time I felt like just basically everything New Japan was presenting felt stale or dry and just just really nothing to to really get excited about. And it's I don't, I don't know. It's hopefully it's just a, a holding pattern until you know the spring or something i don't know but it, it there's just there's something lacking in that see i i now. think what i would say is not that i think things are that dire it's more like there's a lot of stuff under the under the surface that i think they can go to in the future and that's going to be exciting but the stuff they're focusing on now is so yeah. fucking boring and such a test pattern. And it screams, well, we can't do Fantastia Mania, so we have to stretch out these feuds that normally would go two weeks into a month and a half. And it just does, it's just not working. That's, I mean, sure. you know, and, and like, like I said, the, like, the guys who are most interesting are the people doing nothing, basically, or the people doing on the undercard stuff. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, that isn't, long term, that's not a problem. I mean, at least there's people in the company that feel interesting, but, um, you know, and I think there is stuff that they will set up for Castle Attack and then, you know, the New Japan Cup and Sakura Genesis that will be exciting and probably will be. It could be exciting and probably will be exciting. But the stuff they're doing now on, on top just isn't exciting at all. And I'm really surprised uh, by how fast this Kota Ibushi title reign feels like nothing. And I don't know if that means that the Kota Ibushi reign is going to be pretty short or if it's just a case where the first challenger here isn't clicking or what. But yeah, Kota, Kota is a chase guy and throughout his career more than a champion. I mean, we went over that in a past episode where like all of his DDT title reigns for like 90 days. And I kind of wonder if that might not be playing out here again. Where like, you know, he's a he's a guy to get behind while you're waiting. You know, you want him to win. But I don't know if he's like a great long-term champion. But Yeah, yeah. I, I don't no, think he's I, no, he's not losing. <laughs> he could lose a castle attack yeah, to somebody. I, I, I could totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, whoever wins the New Japan Cup, I yeah would be surprised. Um, but yeah, that's a uh, yeah. It, it just definitely feels like, like you said, like the main stories. Just there's nothing yeah. really, really there. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you know the. They have all the parts to make something, but they're just there. It's kind of all. Not yeah. really cohesive. It's very now. much. I mean, it's, it feels very much like we're killing time. I mean, that's all it feels. I mean, like killing time is, a, yeah. you know. And if it's killing time until we get to, you know, really good stuff, I guess we'll see. But like, yeah, it, it it's not a good follow up on Wrestle Kingdom at all. I mean, just just not anything to this tour so far. Uh, and I, I mean, with the main stuff, yeah. there is some lower stuff that's like simmering that looks pretty cool. Like, if anything, Castle Attack looks like it might be the big, you know, just and they don't normally do. I mean, that could be the other problem. They, so normally the, the, the schedule works. Fantastic Mania, New Beginning, then basically like some other little Corkins, and then straight to Anniversary Show and New Japan Cup and Invasion Attack. This year they're trying to squeeze basically yep. another big show in there. So it's going to go New Beginning, 
Castle Attack, and then Anniversary Show at New Japan Cup and Invasion Attack, or in Sakura Genesis now. So maybe there just isn't enough there to do, you know, two big shows before the New Japan Cup. Like, you know, almost three big sure. shows for the Anniversary Show, even though they don't, they don't normally do a title match there. But yeah, maybe there just isn't enough juice there. So, I mean, you know, maybe the, the big pre-New Japan Cup stuff will end up being on, on Castle Attack. But, I mean, they're also missing a bunch of foreigners, too. But, you know. Uh, you know, like, yeah. there's stuff that's been teased that sounds cool. Like, Suzuki backstage, uh, you know, basically said he wanted to face somebody bigger in Bullet Club. He listed Evil and Jay White. But then he said Kenta and was like, well, no, Kenta, you're not the only person who has unfinished business with John Moxley. Now, if Kenta versus Minoru Suzuki was one of the feuds we're building up right now for New Beginning, I mean, that would feel really cool probably, <laughs> but that sounds like it'll be a Castle Attack match. Yeah. So again, you know, it feels like Castle Attack is going to be the, the, the pre-New Japan Cup uh, event that has a lot of heat and stuff. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Ken, I'm 100% here for yeah. Kenta Suzuki. That'll be awesome. Uh, yeah. Then we have match number yeah. three. The one thing that is carrying this tour right now, the uh, Empire against Tinkozi. Uh, here we have uh, Tenzan getting disqualified in 11:52 uh, for beating up Okan in the chair. So this was the so basically they, they took out Tenzan uh, on the January 6 New Year's Dash show. Uh, Okan gave him the his own TTD, and you know uh, they did a big neck injury angle. So Tenzan. You know, he did not come out here like everything was normal. He came out here fucking pissed. And he showed a very appropriate amount of anger in the early going. Just like blatantly choking Okan while he's down on the mat, which you never really see him do anymore. Uh, you know, it's easy to forget this, but he was like a top heel for a while. I mean, he had the he was the original leader of Great Bash Heel back when that actually was the, the top heel unit. But yeah, I mean, this was like the most vicious he's been in a long time. And, you know, Okan like reversed him on the mat and was, like, just blatantly targeting his injured neck, and he, like, got his back and was, like, pounding on him with punches. They did, like, a claw hold in the neck. Um, but, yeah, there was, like, a, you know, Okan looked just like a, 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 you know, we didn't mention him as, like, a somebody that probably can do bigger stuff later in the year, but, like, he is, uh, he looks like a fucking star here. I mean, you know, at one point, Kojima uh, comes out of, like, Okan is already so good at the little things. Like, Kojima at one point comes out of nowhere Gives him this big Koji cutter, and Okan takes this gigantic bump, like practically bounces off the mat like a pinball. And that's the kind of thing I feel like people don't give him nearly enough credit for, because he's already so good at like making people look good. Yeah. Um, you know, especially compared to Will Ospreay in this match. Because Osprey later on took a Koji cutter, and he took the bump by I'm trying to just think how to describe this. He ran his face first on the mat. He leaps upwards, like, in a very clear way where you can tell he's jumping, and, like, wails his arms around like he's trying to fight the air or something before rolling out of the ring. I was like, buddy, that was not a good bump. So, I don't know. Especially coming right after the Ocon one. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Osprey, you know, he can be very hit or miss for me, and that was definitely a miss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a That's one way to put it, for sure. Um but yeah, this match was really good. Like, easily the best thing on the show. Um, you know, all the Tenzan versus Okan stuff is really hated. Uh, and I know Tenzan has a lot of trouble moving, but again, next to Hama, he looks like a spring chicken. Uh, so I went I went three and three quarters on this. I thought this was I thought this was really good. I didn't at all expect the United Empire team to be left laying, even with the DQ. But that's what happened. So uh, they really, like, they're laying Tenkozy really, like, you know, look good here leading up to these two singles matches. It's by far the best built thing on this tour. So, 
Yeah. God bless Juice yeah. Robinson uh, for allowing this to happen. Yeah, exactly. Because of his injury. <laughs> because I'm I'm like all in on this Osprey Kojima feud. It's a uh, it's I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to that singles match quite uh, a bit. Anything else to say about the actual match before I move on? Okay. So match uh, no. number two no, was Okada Ishi- Ishii and Yoshihashi against Evil Yujiro and Dick Togo. Uh, Okada submitted Yujiro in nine fifty eight with the money clip. Um, so this is the other thing where like I'm not as high on this as the Naito Hama thing or the obviously the Tenkozi versus uh you know uh, Empire thing, but the Okada Evil storyline is kind of interesting. I mean, you know the whole thing with like Evil um, doesn't want to face this guy in the singles match. They're matched up on these tags and. Okada's like openly asking the New Japan office why they won't just book the singles match. And, you know, they do they do a little too much of this in the backstage promos now where, like, the New Japan office look like idiots or, like, heels or something. Uh, where, like, the, the, you know, they did that with uh, Naito and Ibushi, like, openly wondering why the fuck Jay White, you know, got to be on the second night after cheating to beat Ibushi. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think it's a, you know, it's a little interesting story. It's, you know, it's more interesting than some of the other builds are, are on this tour for sure. Um but, you know, maybe make the people really wait for that Okada Evil match. So by the time a match that really will be for nothing, probably, at Castle Attack finally happens, you know, maybe people, maybe some people will actually be looking forward to it. So I, I can get, I get what they're doing here. Yeah. Uh, this match itself, though, not very good. I went like two and a half stars on it. Very average. Um, you know, just a, you know, little definition of an average New Japan multi-man tag here. Just, you know, doesn't help it ended with the muddy clip, the worst move, worst finisher in wrestling. So. <laughs> yeah, I was I was uh, thrown off because Cage Match actually has this match listed incorrectly. They have uh, Goto, and I'm using that as a reference. And I was like, Goto wasn't in yeah. this match; it was Ishi. And uh, I, that was the one that was the one note I had for this match was uh, Ishi and Dick Togo when they were in there together. And yeah, that's that pretty great. Uh, it was brief. It was brief, but I would love to somehow see a, a singles match between those two again. If if uh, if New Japan wants to throw it on a a, one of these meaningless corkins or something, I would more yeah, be more than happy to tune that in. Kind of thing, obviously, they, like some random singles matches like that would be really cool. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they, uh, you know, that that's definitely a highlight. That was the highlight of the match. The rest of this match was just nothing. So you know, because they they used to be a tag team there for uh, a brief moment, like in the early two thousands, and I think they've only had like one or two singles, uh, like in history. And I, I don't know those those two seem like they would have been in the same kind of circle or locker room uh for yeah. a good portion of their careers so i want to uh, see it <laughs> the opener was Minoru suzuki and doki defeating gato and jato uh doki pinning gato in 927 with the jorge la special uh so gato is doing like a whole gimmick now where like he's a sad boy because uh you know jay white is maybe gone forever um but yeah he, he looks like lost right now and that's kind of the story they were telling here with doki pinning him um, you know, this was the match where, like, on paper, I was like, whoa, what the fuck? This could be cool. Uh, in actuality, it was, like, two and three quarters. I mean, it was, you know, it was a decent little opener. Uh, <laughs> it's just some of these spots with Jado are a little painful uh, to watch, and the opening heat sequence was kind of boring. But, uh, you know, all the stuff with Gato against Doki and Suzuki, like, going nuts during the match. Like, you know, one point. So so they're doing, like, the hot tag uh, setup where Doki can't get the tag to Suzuki. But then when Gato tries to run over to close like Suzuki off the apron, Suzuki just grabs him in this rope-assisted armbar and then just fucking goes crazy on both guys without even getting the tag, which was like a really interesting little 
twist on the sequence and really fun. And then Doki like takes advantage and like gets a hmm. running double stomp and a nice axe bobber on Gato for a two count before eventually getting the pin. Uh, but yeah, this was a uh, you know they're building up a Jado versus Doki singles match. It seems like, which is certainly a thing to build up, I guess. <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't. I like I like Doki a lot, but like I don't know what he can do with twenty twenty one Jado at this point. Uh, yeah, well, to to be fair, I feel like twenty twenty one Jado somehow is that's a good point too. Jado. <laughs> even as even as bad as he's, he's moving, it's better that he was moving like at the New Japan Cup last year. Seriously, yeah, he. I mean, his physique, uh, like he's he's gotten into a lot better shape over the past couple months. But yeah, I mean, I he could barely walk to the ring. I feel like in in like early summer last year, and and now he's, I mean, working pretty regularly and, and moving around a little bit better, uh, for what it's worth. But yeah, <laughs> uh, so that, that for this show, like I would say, pretty disappointing. Um, I guess still better than the three Corkins from earlier in the week, but really. Like, I don't think you need to watch that Old War Gym show. Maybe just watch the tag match with Tenkoji and, uh, you know, and the United Empire. But the rest of the show is very skippable. Uh, I would, I like I said, the the, the show today, uh, which was the Corican from today on the 24th, which we're not going to review match by match. We're just going to mention a, a couple of things. I haven't even seen the main event yet. But the other the other matches in this card, I mean, the, the opener, which was uh, Doki Desperado, Suzuki, and Kanemaru against Tiger Mask, Makabe, Nagata, and Uemura. That was like a three and a half star match. That was really good. I mean, you know, Oyamura looked like a million bucks in that match. Just really got to be a got to be like a major focus, and you know that was a lot of fun. Uh, there was another wild United Empire against Tinkozi brawl, where this time, uh, like Okan came out all pissed off because of what happened, and uh, you know, and Osprey did too. But Okan was like the star, with like beating the shit out of Tenzan in that one, and it went to another no contest. Um, the evil, you know, Okada tag was about what it's been throughout the entire tour, which is fine. Um, but yeah, then the other highlight was uh, Lij versus, you know, I already mentioned this, the Naito and um, Naito and and Hiromu against Hanma in show tag, which was a lot of fun. So yeah, there's some the Corrigan today was fun, and I think better than the Oda Ward Gym show overall. But like I said, I still haven't watched the main event yet. So, uh, yeah, right on. Yeah, I'll have to, you know. At least put this on in the yeah. background at work. And there's one more Corkin. <laughs> there's one more Corkin like, left like on Monday. Uh, yeah, so that's the last one. And then oh, after wow. that, we go to Nagoya on Saturday for the new beginning in Nagoya, uh, which has the Shingo versus Hiroshi Tanahashi never title match as the main event, and then the Kojima versus Osprey and Tenzan versus Okan singles matches. Uh, an eight man tag with Lij against Hontai, Hontai and Chaos because Show is there. Can't forget about Chaos. And then uh, Okada and Yano against Evil and Yujiro opener. So, you know, some good stuff there. That'll be, be. I mean, even even though the build has been kind of crap, I mean, the Shingo Tanahashi match itself could still be really good. So, you know, excited to see that. And then, obviously, the Empire versus Team Koji singles matches should be fun. Uh, and then that's it. And then after that, obviously, the next the last two shows of the tour, uh, or the last two, yeah, well, there's some more Korokins in between, but then the tour wraps up with February 10th, uh, the new beginning in Hiroshima, which has the very anticipated Master Wato versus Bushi uh, singles match. And then it also has uh, G.O.D. against Taichi and Zack for the tag titles and Hiromo versus Show for the junior title. And then the next night in, in Hiroshima, the other half uh, is uh, the definition of a one-match show. I mean, just Sonata versus Ibushi. But, 
Yeah, I mean, that's all we got here. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. If they, if they, if they, if they threw all of that on one show, all the big matches, I, I know it's logistically, it'd probably be easier, but they're, they want to yeah. stretch it out like they normally do, but I don't know. It just makes for kind of a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, just mulling through just like, just samey, like just the same thing, it seems, over and over again. And I don't know. Hopefully New Japan gets out of that, that grind soon. Yeah. So, you know, that'll be, and that'll be it for the tour. And then we start the road to Castle Attack very quickly after that. It's, uh, Let's see, when does it start? I think it starts like a few days later. Yeah, like three days later, February 14th. Uh, so let's see how many... There's a million Corkins on this tour. One, two, three, four straight... Yeah, four straight Corkins. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, and, and then, yeah. And then they February go back 22nd, to the next week 25th, Monday, Thursday. And then you get the two nights Castle Attack, uh, 27th and 28th. Then you get a few days off again before the anniversary show on March 4th at Budokan. And then the very next day, New Japan Cup starts March 5th. So, you know, plenty of New Japan to watch. <laughs> oh, definitely can't complain about that. But, uh, yeah. you know, some of these shows definitely. Like, like people just don't, these Corkins especially, like, you don't have to watch them. That's why I always tell people. It's like, you know, they're going to run these shows because they need to make money. You know, they need to sell tickets. Uh, you know, and they can't, especially with the amount of tickets they're, you know, they, they're only able to sell right now and stuff like that. But, like, you don't have to watch them all. Like, just put them on the background or anything. Like, just, you know, don't don't go crazy trying to watch, keep up with all these Corrigans. I mean, they're really not worth it. So, uh, okay, so yeah. let's get to our mailbag questions we got, and then we can wrap it up here. Uh, first of all, on Twitter, from at Renegade Dugongs, he says, where can All Japan even go from here? Does Kento just win the carnival? Um, I mean, I think the answer depends on is Nomura coming back or not. Because if Nomura's coming back, he should win the carnival and he should win the title. If he's not coming back, if his you know his career could be over, if it's going to take even longer, I mean, I would I know people hate it, but I would do Jake Lee. I mean, there's really nothing like Kento has yeah. nothing to gain yeah. from winning the carnival, especially at this point. Like I would, tr- I, I get that people think it's never going to happen, but like just try it. Like give Jake Lee his shot. I've I've, I've made this argument a million times. Just give him the fucking shot. See if he can at least be something as a champion and hold the belt for a little while. And then he can always go back to Kento. Have Kento beat him. He's beat him a million times. I mean, but, like, I would, I would give it a shot at this point. What do you have to lose? Right. Yeah. It's like, I don't think it's smart, honestly, to go back to Kento that fast, too. Just to, like, to Kento to drop it to Suwama and then Suwama to drop it back to Kento. I mean, I feel like they've done that in the past, too. So it's like, just throw some fresh meat up top in that, that main event scene, and I yeah. feel like that would help out a lot. And I, I think Jake is more than deserving of it. And people people I, really I hate know. him and say something like that. Meanwhile, he's happen, a like, What does that mean if they never give him a chance? I don't, I don't know. But like, he's never going to have, clearly, he's never yeah. going to have like all world charisma. We get that. But like, it, you don't have, I mean, especially with the state all Japan's in, I mean, no one's asking him to be Kenzo Kobashi. I mean, just give the guy a shot, you know? Right. Uh, at Travis Zick, is it time for All Japan to stop focusing on the old guys? Uh, I mean, they don't have a lot of guys, period. I don't, they don't really have a lot of choice, you know? I mean, I guess to a degree, but, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really... I mean, they, they just they have to push who they have, I guess. I mean, they, you could have had Ashino win. I just... I don't know what else... Like, he, he didn't... He felt very cold to me anyway, so... I don't know. 
I mean, I guess the answer is yes, but like, what what else do you want them to do is also my other question. So, yeah, Kohei Sato, there you just go. go with a new old guy. Uh, Beth at Love Songwriter <laughs> says, as we are quickly heading into new beginning for New Japan, and with all the unite the title story, where do you see it going from there? I don't know. That's a great question because you know Kota said that stuff about wanting to unite the titles, and then. It hasn't really come up at all during the build to him and Sonata. Like, you know, Kota, like Sonata mentioned it like once and Kota was like, we're not worried about that right now. It has nothing to do with your title match. I'm like, well, then what What are we doing with that? Like, is is New Japan going to just like announce one day the belts are unified? Like, are, are we going to get a new belt brought out? Is New Japan going to say no? Like, it just feels like, like everything else at the top of the card is in a total holding pattern. I mean, I would assume the answer is they're going to bring out a new belt at some point. Yep. But, like, I don't know why it's taken so long. So, if that's what they're going to do. It just doesn't make sense to have him lose, like, the IC belt to, to still hold on to the IWGP heavyweight title or really anybody. Like, it's just, I don't, I feel like that'd be pretty tacky <laughs> for booking, like, a top guy like that. But unless you have some, like, crooked, you know, heelish antics or you know bullet club you know somehow only challenging for one belt at a time or something like that i I just i can't see why they would keep both on one person for yeah for another year um (laughs) on the on the discord a couple questions uh first of all ice age coming says who should avenge black mincer rays unmasking by the disgusting despicable june kazai well ishikawa obviously is going to step forward to uh defend the snake man's honor so yeah, and then uh, Kasai did throw a, a little errant boot at Omori, who was uh, <laughs> seconding Menso Ray. So maybe we'll get a uh, a really exciting Kasai Takawa Mori yeah. match for the Gawa. And then Joe Gagne asked, "Who would you have on seat Suwama?" I think we kind of said, but yeah, I would. I mean, assuming no more can come back, I would do Jake Lee. That's what I would do. But yeah, yeah, that I I would agree with that. And if no more, like even if no more did come back, they would quite a while to build him back up to the status he was when he got hurt i would imagine they wouldn't just throw him right into the the triple crown scene so i say give it to jake man that's it seems uh, so we easy got one last <laughs> discord question on back on the 22nd before i even announced this show i hesitate to know if i should read this one or not it's very long it has nothing to do with anything do you want me to <laughs> let's give it a shot uh <laughs> so oh, yeah, he says dear john this is so dopey, but hopefully it is okay. I like to think of myself as kind of a forward-thinking, sci-fi-minded motherfucker. I would love to someday see wrestling on the moon. It obviously would be quite a different dynamic, perhaps more akin to a ballet or theater, but I think it could be pretty cool. I know gravity is a bitch, and E equals MC squared or whatever, but I think it's achievable. I love the high flyers, and I understand gravity on the moon is roughly one-sixth of what we've got here on old terra firma. I'm not a rocket scientist or whatever, but I'm pretty sure 450 times six is a whole friggin' bunch of rotations. Any any thoughts, Joey? <laughs> uh, I, I agree. Yes. Wrestling on the moon sounds great, <laughs> and I think you totally sold me on it. So thank you for that question. Uh, Mixel picks? What? Do you I, know anything about... I would like to see a... The a Superman villain, I think that's what he's named off. after. I have no idea how to say it. Mixel picks or something? I don't know. I, I'm not a Superman. I'm not a comic book guy, so I really I can recognize that that's what it is, but I really have no idea how to pronounce it. So, 
But thank you for that, sir. That was something. Uh, yes. Anyway, I guess we can wrap things up here. Um, go ahead and give me any plugs, Joey, because I got to plug the Patreon, which I forgot to do at the start, like I usually do. Sure. Yeah. No, I don't really have anything. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, I'm Joey un- at Joey underscore Bay. Um, on Instagram, I'm Bowie J. Um, yeah, I just try to keep it positive for the most part on my Twitter, um, especially in terms of wrestling. I just, I don't, I don't usually put the the negative thoughts out there. I just kind of leave that to myself and try to pimp out whatever. So I, whatever uh, you don't whatever tweet I've about, I should assume you hate. So. Like. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I just, I, I don't, I'm not compelled enough to even talk about it is, is probably more accurate, go. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I Meanwhile, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase, Wrestling Women Fet. Uh, check out the Wrestling Omakase Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakase. Uh, the big thing right now, I mean, we're wrapping up our, uh, the first part of our series covering every Tokyo Dome main event in order. Uh, so if you want to check that out, I mean, we we just did the Big Egg Wrestling Universe, which was a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, the next two episodes that are coming out this week will wrap things up until we re- resume it next year, and it'll be the uh, New Japan show from one four ninety five, which is the Hashimoto versus Kensuke Sasaki main event, and then the uh, the Tokyo Sports like many promotion show that ends up being another New Japan main event because that's who was the main event of it, uh, which was the the weekly pro show, yeah. Oh, the weekly pro show. Yeah, but I mean, that's we're a, basically like crazy. when I looked at it on the thing, I'm like thinking like, oh, this would be cool to do as a change. But since I'm only doing the main events, it's just another New Japan main event, so it means very little for me. Ah. But yeah, so it's Hashimoto against uh, Masahiro Chono. But yeah, so those. are... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What? Oh, no, I I don't want to take the the uh, whatever you were talking about on that episode. But is isn't that main event like just like rated? To- horribly and like new i japan think tried to like scrap i think it that might be yeah, yeah, books, or am i thinking of remember new japan or i think okay. the big problem was they got completely overshadowed by the all japan six man that came right before it yeah, that, yeah. so like they, it looked, it was. Yes, you know the, yeah. the all japan six man uh i can't let's see i'm gonna look up the, i'm gonna look up what it is now because i'm curious i just remember thinking it was like with those six guys i was like oh i bet that was way better than Hash- not to take anything away from hashimoto and chono but i bet that was like <laughs> That really overshadowed it, and I'm sure it did. Uh, well, Cage Match doesn't want to load right now, so oh, I guess I sure. will not be telling you who is in that. <laughs> Although I have my copy of Eggshell for it. Let's see. Uh, some exciting book opening sounds on the podcast, probably. Okay, so it was Akira Tawe, Johnny Ace, and Toshiaki Kawada against Kenta Kobashi, Stan Hansen, and Mitsuharu Misawa, and it went to a time limit draw. So I'm sure... Yeah, I'm sure that was okay. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds so, amazing. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, a like basically yeah. a, every promotion you could think of at the time gave it gave a match, and yeah, the, I think the New Japan one just had a really hard time following that All Japan match. So, but yeah, we'll we'll be talking about that on the Patreon. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> and then after that, we'll be doing uh, submissions from patrons. So patrons are allowed to submit any match they want with uh, within certain rules. Although people have already been trying to break the rules, like give me Brit Res and U.S. Indies and stuff, which I didn't want, but. I let, I let them do it because they're paying me money. Uh, but yes, I mean, you know, you, if you still want to sign up and submit some match for me to cover in February for $5, you can do that. I and mean, we're taking submissions until January 31st, and then we will, like, randomize them, and I'll be covering, you know, two a week throughout the month of February. So uh, 
yeah, we got all sorts of stuff. It'll be really fun to talk about. I mean, everything from like current New Japan, old school Joshi. Uh, you know, I think there was like some Brit, like like I said, a Brit Res match in there, a low key versus Brian Danielson from a JPW match, which will be fun to talk about. I mean, all sorts of stuff. So definitely check it out. Uh, it's at patreon.com slash wrestling patreon.com says wrestling omakase excuse me losing my voice here uh this is what happens when you do four pack four podcasts a week. <laughs> uh but yes that's where you can find all of our patreon bonus content we also did a brand new full five matches episode uh with vow sean cedor that went up this past monday that was a lot of fun so yeah if you haven't heard that yet you can go sign up at the patreon to check that out all righty with that folks uh next week i'll be back here with uh, Voices of Wrestling's Paul Vosch. Uh, Paul and I are going to talk about two shows again, uh, the New Japan New Beginning in Nagoya show on the 30th we talked about with uh, Tanahashi and Shingo, and the NOAA January 31st, January 31st Corkin, which is like their last hype show before Budokan. So that should be fun. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you as always for listening, and I will see you next time. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.